Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and happy Friday Eve from the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN at 703. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley is here. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. How are you kids doing this morning? I'm doing great, Randy. I woke up this morning. I didn't know what day it was. I was, uh-huh. I was like, <laughs> you didn't think it was Saturday, did you? <laughs> a little bit. I was like, why is my alarm going off? What, what's, what's going on? I think that's because I was in a very good sleep. So I think I'm well rested today and, and I'm, I'm good to go. Good. Yeah, I, I had a good day or good start to my day. Last night I went over, I guess I should say day. It was a day game. Mm-hmm. I went over to the Cardinals game and it does go a lot faster than you yes. expect it to. Yeah. I mean, a lot faster. We, My fiance and I went to go get that um, Big Shack oh, chicken sandwich. You, you <laughs> yeah. oh. I mean, have you guys had the 314? Oh. I, I didn't know that, have the 314. I had oh the other one. I had the more Brandy. standard one. The 314 Brandy. sandwich. It's Shack's chicken sandwich uh-huh. and it's a Vin- what is it? Vincent Van Do Donut and yeah. a chicken sandwich. Like that's the bun. So we were at an event the other day. I saw it, but I yeah. didn't take it. So we we went to go get that. It was worth it. It is amazing. It is pricey. It's sixteen dollars. It's worth it. But anyways, the game like went fast after we went and did that. We were, we were just like, oh okay, it's it's gonna we're gonna be done here soon. So Wait, it was fun. Wade Herzog always said, if you're gonna lose, lose fast. Oh yeah, you don't want to be sitting around. No. You don't want it to be sixteen to four. You know, just dragging yeah, along. Yeah, you yeah. Just get it over with. And yesterday it was only 5-2. There you go. Cardinals lose. And I, I told Matthew the earlier, guys, uh, and this is just my honest feeling, okay? The, the last place Cardinals are done, right? And so I'm excited about the fact that the Pirates and Reds are going to be in the playoffs. I think that's good for baseball that Cincinnati and Pittsburgh are going to be playoff teams this year. Because everything's been settled a week into the season. Yeah, of course. I think we, I, I, Randy. I, I'm going to push back on that just a little bit. Okay. I was going to say it's we're just getting started. We're, we're six games in. Yeah. I think you, not, not even a full seven days worth of games. We just, don't only have ten left. N- no, we, we got we got a lot left. We got 156 <laughs> left, Randy. Oh, I, I thought we only played 16. <laughs> no, no, that's a, that's the NFL plus one. We, it's we the first two. week of the season. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, yesterday. Uh, your St. Louis Cardinals. You can have them for now. I'll, I'll take them after they sweep Milwaukee. They're not ours right now. <laughs> right They're now. yours. <laughs> oh. uh, so this was really bad because the umpire screwed up. Ronald Acuna should have been called out, right? Uh, a little foul tip. He was out of the box. The ball hits him in the chest, hits him in the face. Should have been called out. He wasn't. Winds up singling to, uh, to shortstop. Matt Olson hits a double. 
Austin Riley hits a uh, base hit to score Olsen and make it one to nothing. Ozzy Albies with a sack fly, two nothing, and then or three nothing after the Albies sack fly. Cardinals don't score in the bottom of the first, and then we get to the bottom of the second inning, and there's that guy Olsen again. This one to center. Carlson drifts back. Carlson at the wall. Gone. Three homers already on the year for Matt Olson. Uh, that made it four to nothing, and that was in the t- in the top of the second inning. But the Braves weren't done. Miles Michaelis actually settled down a little bit, but in the fourth inning, there's a runner aboard for Olson again. This one to right. That's going to be trouble. That's fair. Acuna is in. It is another RBI double for Matt Olson. His second of the game to go along with a solo homer, and we are only in the fourth inning. Yeah, it was 5 nothing in the fourth, and it remained 5 nothing until the seventh inning when the highlight of the Cardinal day occurred. Jordan will try to keep alive a five-game hit streak to start his big league career. Breaking ball, hammered down the line. A J-bomb! Jordan Walker's first big league homer. Our buddy Chip Carey with the call on Bally Sports. That was exciting. And 5-2 was the final. Another rough start for the Cardinals, as was mentioned during the broadcast. Down 3-0 after an inning, 4-0 after two, and then 5-0 after four. And it's hard to claw back when you're down early like the Cardinals have been most of the time early in this season. Yeah. I mean, through the first six games, opponents have totaled 20 runs in the first two innings against the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. That's that's a little bit of a scary stat. Now, you do have to give credit to the offenses that they're facing. I mean, we've seen what Toronto has. We see what the Braves have. I mean, those are very, very talented lineups. But it is a little, a little bit concerning because we knew that starting pitching is something that you're going to be looking at for the Cardinals going into this season. Yeah, it's, it is concerning. I, I'm looking at it. I, I know people will say, well, the weather. The, hey, hey, the other team's playing in the same weather. <laughs> They're not struggling as poorly. The Cardinals getting off to that rough start in the first couple of innings, giving up home runs, allowing runners to get on base. You got to figure out a way to have a clean inning, first inning, second inning, and, and then get rolling. They are um, – it's – I don't know what needs to change, but hopefully we get it figured out when we get to Milwaukee – uh, on Friday, for this, there's still we for you, huh? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still, okay. we're okay. still we. We're okay. French. We, we, we. You already abandoned, huh? Yeah, Randy's jumped off. He, he he'll be back by all aboard uh, the panic bus. April, <laughs> I give him April 14th. I'll be back. You'll be back. Okay. There you go. I like it. <laughs> hey, there's there's controversy. There's uh, it's always fun to have controversy, and the Ali Marmol Tyler O'Neill kerfuffle. <laughs> it's the best word for it. Continued I yesterday. I love the Before the game occurred, here is what Ali Marmol had to say about his expectations of his players. Pretty simple. The reality was yesterday was an example of, of it not being to the standard that we expect. Um, so it gets called out. We address it. And the player has an option to either cave in or go ahead and um, make, a, make a change and show something different. And yesterday, Tyler O'Neill didn't get the opportunity to start because Dylan Carlson started and made a couple of terrific catches in center field. I thought this was interesting. And Kerry and Brooke, Whitey Herzog had two rules for his players. Show up on time and hustle. And one time, Gary Templeton didn't hustle. Mm-hmm. Fans recognized that, booed him, flipped off the crowd, never played another game for the Cards. Hmm. All St. Louis fans ask in any sport is for effort. Tyler O'Neill said, 
I definitely didn't feel like I was going slower, you know, coming around third base. I was focused on taking a tight turn, and, you know, it is what it is. I went back and ran the replay, and I ran the clock. I think it was second to home in about six and a half seconds. Tyler O'Neill, I've watched you go from second to home before. I watched you go from second to home on Tuesday night. Don't pee down my leg and tell me it's raining, okay? (laughs) Uh, You were not going as fast as you could, and that is a cardinal sin. Yes, uh, you you're looking at it, and and like I said, we talked about people were saying, well, why he did, why didn't they get on on Wilson Contreras for getting thrown out? Wilson was hustling; he just mm-hmm. made a, a a bonehead mistake with trying to test Ronald Acuna's arm. The issue that you have with Tyler O'Neill going around third, we've seen him really getting after it, really humping it, trying to get around it. He's much faster than what he showed in that moment. And I think Ollie said something yesterday that I, I didn't catch until later. He said that's not his decision, meaning it's not his decision to stop. It's his decision to look at the third base coach and be running full speed and then be told whether to go or not. And if you're looking at the third base coach running as fast as you can, he probably makes, as I said yesterday, makes that play much closer than it was at home, um, but he's not really running full speed around there. As a professional athlete, what is your perspective on Ollie saying, especially what he said on Tuesday night before talking to Tyler O'Neill about it? I mean, it's, it's sports. You you hit the nail on the head. You are a professional athlete. I, it, it, I've gotten ripped in high school for, for much less. I went into a, a high school meeting after rushing for 140 yards, two touchdowns. Like, yeah, I had a great game. And the <laughs> meeting was one of the worst meetings I've ever had to sit through because there's so many other things that I didn't do right. So that's part of sports. It's part of being a professional athlete is doing your job and doing it to the best of your ability. And if you don't, you're going to get called out for it. One of my favorite managers was one of my favorite people in sports. People know Joe Torrey told me a lot of times he said i will never say something to you as a media member before i say it to a player there you go i'm sure they've had brooke you asked the question about uh having those conversations i'm sure that's been a conversation you don't just explode or or kind of blow up in that manner if you're a manager if you had not already had some form of conversation with that player in regards to effort or or just the 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 work ethic so i don't think tyler o'neill is lazy but I think on that particular play, he didn't do what needed to be done to score that run I think or make that, it closer. Yeah, I, and here's the thing. I think that a lot of the things can be true. I think that there was other circumstances involved in this. Tyler O'Neill spent his offseason here in St. Louis, particularly to make sure that he can be a guy that continues to play and stay healthy for the team all season. Is this lineup better when Tyler O'Neill's in it, offensively and defensively? Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Him staying healthy is very important. I think, and also in his comments after that initial game, he did own up to him. He did say, "I there is a lot of ways where I could have probably, you know, gone faster." There's, I think that there's a lot more circumstances as well. Did you guys also see what happened with Goldie yesterday too? As well, it was very similar in a lot of ways. But what I'm saying is, I was surprised by kind of the reaction from Ali Marmal because it seemed to have caught Tyler O'Neill off guard. Maybe mm-hmm. that there was a conversation either before or afterwards, but either way, it looked like Tyler O'Neill was surprised by the fact that Ali Marmal was calling him out in that way so publicly. And even John Mosellock, didn't he mention yesterday that it could have, you know, he would have liked it to stay behind closed doors? He did say that, and then and we'll have this later in the show. We'll we'll hear from Mo. He he said that, and then basically outed everything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> ah, ah. 
I just I, I think th- I think that there basically what I'm saying there's there's a lot of different ways to look at it. I think that there's more than what maybe we saw there. There has to be, especially for Ali Marmal to double down. I don't think it's terrible to want max effort from your players, but at the same time, you know, Tyrell O'Neal, I don't think is a guy that I doubt his hustle. I just think I I don't in most instances I would agree. I think 100%, in that I agree too. particular moment, you can it's, it's, it's a difference. Like, you can tell when a guy is really running hard and when they're not and when they're trotting or when they're going half speed. And and in my opinion, I think Tyler O'Neill just assumed with how hard the ball was hit, who was the right fielder. There is no way in the world they're going to send me so I don't have to run hard in this moment. And he got caught up because, oh, bleep, I do have to run hard mm-hmm. now and it's too late. And so that happens. You And I think that's the, the message that Ali is getting out. Hey, just run hard the entire time. You don't know what could happen out there. I mean, same thing you said with Goldie. I'm getting thrown out at home, he, he was running hard the entire time. He didn't know that the ball was going to drop, but it dropped and, and unfortunately got thrown out at home. Those things happen, but you just have to be playing the game hard the entire time and good things generally happen for you. We have Blues hockey tonight. The Rangers and Vladimir Tarasenko in town. 6 o'clock pregame, 7 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. The Blues in 10th in the draft order. Two points ahead of ninth and four points ahead of 8th place, but that went over the Flyers all but takes them out of the discussion for 7th. So, uh, hey, okay, so, fine. So we win. can win tonight? Fine, win. No. Go ahead and do it. Yeah, what difference does it make? What <laughs> does four points ahead of the 8th spot not Get across to you. You don't want to win I mean, more games. You oh. want them to close the gap. Not okay. why not extend the gap. Go, Vladdy. <laughs> we're, we're rooting for Patrick oh. Kane tonight. Oh. Are we okay, doing? we're doing it. We're doing it, Matthew. Just oh, we had to make it dirty. I was going to say we <laughs> can root for Vladimir Tarasenko. <laughs> and kind of dirty. Yep. <laughs> Adam Fox. He's a great defenseman. I don't know. Coming your way. Sick of it here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right. Tell us what you're sick of. The text line is open 314 9646 Yo-ho! And Kerry Davis was just advertising to us that he's got a great sick of it. So take it away, sir. Well, we were talking about just intelligent people and and how, you know, some people in the world want us to be dumb. They want us just just to be, you know, don't think for yourself. Don't worry about things. I'm sick of people removing books from libraries, Randy. That's fair. I'm sick of people deciding that these books should not be in libraries for whatever reason. You don't want us to read. You don't want us to read about history. You don't want us to understand the things that took place in the past. Here's a note for you. If you don't know your history, you're bound to repeat yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you idiots that choose to remove, and if you're family members of those idiots that choose to remove books from libraries, you should go talk to someone. Or... My favorite thing is get the hell slapped out of you. I don't know. One or the other, preferably the latter, getting the hell slapped out of you for removing books from libraries because you don't want people to read about the past and the transgressions that you all have made. I don't know. I don't know. I want to I want to learn about history. I want to learn about things that took place in the past, good and bad, so that those things are not repeated. Gary, I will say this as somebody, as a student who never entered a library. Mm-hmm. 
Just if, if you don't want people to read books, don't send them to the library. There you go. You don't have to go in there. You don't have to go read the book. No one is going to hold your... I've watched a lot of movies, and and one of my things, like one of the torture treatments that they do is hold their eyelids open (laughs) and force them. Nobody's going to sit you down in a chair, strap you down, force your eyelids to be open, and force you to read a book. You don't have to. You do not have to. But don't remove it from those that would like to, you idiots. With you. It also makes it really hard on the teachers, too, because... As you know, teachers do not get a lot of support, especially for public schools. And so you're making these teachers, at least this is what I've heard from, because my mother was a teacher for a long time in Tennessee. They make these teachers basically go through their little book supply that they already have, maybe in their classrooms, and they have to send it off to get approved. Yeah. And some of these teachers use their own money to get books into their classrooms. How, How sick does someone have to be to prevent children from reading? Like how, how how sick do you really have? How, what type of sickness is is inside of you? You should have been slapped when you were a child or an adult <laughs> at some point. Even now, don't I'm slap the kids. Of, I, don't no. slap the kids. I'm t- well, at some point, yeah. If you were gonna grow up to be this person, you probably should have been slapped. I'm just saying. Yeah. I, I don't know. You pick a state. You you pick which person. I yeah. It, we don't. We're not held accountable for punching a red wing fan in the face. We're not held accountable <laughs> for slapping the hell out of a politician either. It's a shocking thing. Books make people smarter. And here's the thing: if everyone around you is a little bit smarter, every day of your life will be a little bit better. There you no, go. No, I want all my information off of social media. Off okay. The internet where you can That's the find only thing I'm reading. Anything. It's fair. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is what I'm sick of, and somebody brought this up on the text line, and it's a really good point because I'm surprised that we're still having to discuss this about the Missouri Senate once again unable to reach a deal on sports wagering legislation. What are we doing here? Oh, what are we doing here? If- it's You're having people, I know so many people, including in this building, but also outside of this building, who go across the river to bet. Why not keep that here? It just makes, it makes sense. If other states are figuring out and it's more revenue for the state, why are you against it? And you have so many teams here. You have the Chiefs in Missouri. You have the Cardinals in Missouri. You have the Blues in Missouri. You have soccer in Missouri now. Make it make sense. And you can drive, if you're in Kansas City, across the state lines into Kansas. Obviously, you can use your FanDuel Sportsbook. Drive, literally drive across the state line into Illinois. Your phone beeps, your bet is made, and then you just turn around and drive back into Missouri. I can't figure out why a politician wouldn't want to increase the coffers of the state. I cannot figure it out. Because they too busy removing books from libraries, <laughs> Randy. Okay, well said. This, all, this is all full circle right Jeez. now. This is all full circle. <laughs> yeah. What are we uh, doing here? M- mine, actually, uh, I, I'm mild by comparison. <laughs> I'm sick of allowing all these first inning runs. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's get back to what we're here for. I'm sorry. That's, that's fair. I think that's I fair. Yeah, yeah. I'm sick of that, too. Matthew, what do you got on the text line? I'm sick of people who are late for their tea time then get upset as we wait for them right behind the tea box. Oh, yeah. I don't like that at all. I'm with you. So when you have, when when that takes place Mm -hmm. and you have a a slower group moving, do you just tee off and say, hey, we're, 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 just move to the side. You have to wait for the starter to start you. But I show up at the tea time on Lombardi time, okay? So (laughs) I'm, I'm five minutes early when, when I get to a tea. I do 
tend to be bothered by the people that show up 30 seconds before their tea time. <laughs> now, if, if you swing the club right at that tea time, I'm good with it, but I'm always early. I feel like you have to be, right? Because it's the more respectful thing to do. If it you're is. late, then I think you'll just see me in a golf cart, like, waving goodbye to you. Yeah. We're and, just moving on. And you know what's interesting is that for the most part, if you are, if somebody's playing slow, they'll wave you through and they'll yeah. say, hey, yeah. you're, you're fine. But yeah, I'm, I'm with the the actual start. And then don't get upset. Don't be bothered by the fact that you're late and then you aren't uh, doing exactly the things that you want to do at that particular time. Sick of it, all these Cardinals runners being thrown out at the bases. O'Neill and Contreras on Wednesday, and they didn't get to start on Thursday. Goldschmidt yesterday. It seems to me that both Pop and Stubby are being overlooked for their mistakes. I don't blame Goldie uh, because that was a Pop fly. I mean, it, it, he's running his two outs. Yeah. He's just running. You don't think that the ball is going to drop. And, and there's nothing wrong with forcing the opposition to make yes. a play. He, he had to hurry up and get the ball, pick yep. it up, and make a play. He made a throw. And he was hustling. He, Goldie was hustling. I agree. Wilson Contreras, he was hustling, just should not have tried him, tried Acuna mm-hmm. in that moment. Tyler O'Neill, not, maybe not hustling as much as no. they would have liked. No. Well, and we were actually talking about this during the break. Base running maybe is something that should be addressed a little bit because right now they're tied for the most in the majors. The Cardinals have had five runner, five runners thrown out while trying to advance an extra base on a batted ball. Evidently, the Cardinals had philosophical differences with being the best base running team in baseball. Oh, no. No, not the philosophical differences. <laughs> we need a That's t-shirt. That's a kerfuffle. We need a shirt. <laughs> They're playing with a different size pizza box, apparently, at yeah, practice like everybody yeah. else. Yeah. I'm sick raise, of being... pizza box. <laughs> I'm sick of being told raise to give 100%. Pizza. I tell people I live by Randy's rules. Thank you. Oh, no. Hello. Look at what no. you started. Randy. A whole uh, kerfuffle. I have, I, I have started a movement <laughs> that managed... It's going to get some people fired. Slow and ponderous, but it's a movement. The management people in America, John Kioski flipped to another station right now. Management people in America have taken advantage of employees by expecting them to give 100% for years. Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum, Randy. I'm, I'm going to give my all. They'll expect it. And they <laughs> should. <laughs> Randy, we're, so when okay. you did a group project oh, in I, your I, younger yeah. years, okay. what what, what person were Randy you in the group project? Too, what person were you? Were you the one just like, I'll get the paper? Oh, I, I, I was quite vocal. Okay. But then when it came time to put pen to paper, I was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> but then what was and what was your score at the end too, probably? Still hundred percent. Depended on the group oh, I was okay. with. Okay. Okay. It was like it was like my second month here last year and I had a bad show and I was like, Randy, I'm sorry about today's show. And Randy just turns to me and just goes, Hey man, if you have a perfect show every day, they'll start to expect that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> true. True. Hey, look at that. You, you you did like three jobs in one for the last couple of years. They, they expected it, didn't they? Yeah. See, I'm just yeah. saying. So she should have just yeah. dialed it back just a just a just a hair. There's a great line. There's a great line when they sit when somebody when management comes to you and tells you something to do to do something that is not in your contract that is not in your job description and that line is that's above my pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just. I'm, I'm going to advise people not to yeah. say that. I'm, I'm going to advise people not to say right that. Now, and when they get a poor grade on that, Dad. You know, I, we were listening to Mr. Carriker, and I, I did not give 100%, but because they're going to expect that from me. And so next time, I'll, I'll do a little bit better. I'm Here's just going to do raising the, the floor up and ready to go. Oh, I, can get it back up. I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous that uh, 
Like, I know people that have gotten straight A's in school. Here's the thing with parents. You're a parent of a young person right now. Yes. Carrie Davis. You, and you've got a daughter in college who's, mm-hmm. uh, that you're paying money for good grades. The thing is, is you don't want, even if you know, and I learned this way too late, you don't want people to know what your capabilities are. <laughs> Why? Until you need them. I'm but, just, so if you, oh, here's the thing. If they never know what you're capable of, you don't get the opportunities of all of the things that you're capable well, you of. you can surprise them. Oh, Carrie. Yeah. Okay. It's a pleasant oh, surprise. Peter and Florida. We're going to we'll get, we'll get to Greg. Let's, here, here is why I say what oh. I do. And it's so, said so eloquently by the owner of Average Joe's Gym, Peter LaFleur. I'm curious, is it strictly apathy or do you really not have a goal in life? I found that if you have a goal, that you might not reach it. But if you don't have one, then you are never disappointed. And I got to tell you, it feels phenomenal. All right. See, that's okay. Oh, so, Carrie, okay. Word, wise right. words so from, a, from a wise man. A, 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 a teacher at Parkway North, and this is kind of ripped up because it's his, very this old. This is his report card. Very old. Okay. I don't know if you can see it. I'll, I'll pass it around <laughs> to the room. <laughs> to the room. So, uh, a cu- cumulative grade point average. This is after. This must have been in my junior year of high school. Is that, a, is that a literal yes, report that's his card? Actual yeah, so when my card. kid got an orientation at school, the teacher liked me, even though my cumulative grade point average at that point was 1.712. <laughs> One? What? This is, that's possible? Pass it around. And Brooke, here's the kicker. Brooke. Okay, so I did I did what I wanted. I didn't show them every card. I didn't show them every card. <laughs> 1.712, you know what that converts into in 2023? Parkway Hall of Fame. Oh my gosh. I would have been running home. I would have got to get this out of the mailbox and pretend like it never showed. I, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. There'd be a mat-shaped hole in the drywall in my home in South City. There'd be a mat-shaped hole. I, my mother would have tried to knock my head off of my shoulders. I will tell you this. I got hot in my senior year. <laughs> You, you took off. I got, I got hot. <laughs> you were just, you were just baiting them. Waiting, yeah. Yeah. You took Russian? Why'd you take Russian? At that time, it was the Soviet Union, and they said, oh, we're going to need translators for the Soviet Union, because we hated them. They hated, well, just like well, now. Well, no wonder you got a D in it. That's like the second hardest Bro- language to learn. Four years, I got to page 39 in the book. Four years, I got to page, page 39. That's it? Yep. How many pages were in the book? It, it, it was 40 pages. I can't believe you actually <laughs> carried this. I'm going to take a photo of this. Okay, you got it. No problem. Uh, you got to get this framed. Yep. And I was, yeah, I should, yeah. It's, you know. It's, it's amazing. I, I could have even been more distracted. I was, believe me, you can tell by the grades. I, I could even <laughs> even been more distracted in high school if I would have done certain things. Oh. Uh, this is the... <laughs> Fund of speech, you got a C. What speech? Fund of speech. Fundamentals of speech, you got a C. English, you got a C. World history, an F. Never tell Mr. Them. Trivia Megamind got an F. That, uh, that's, that's not sports if, trivia. That's, if that's I'm sports not allowed history, to go outside sports. That's an A. That's why it's all sports history, Brooke. <laughs> Rock is the world history uh, trivia guy. So, yeah. It's, yeah, I did. I. I. I <laughs> Didn't you did show, your, you, I, you I didn't did your show, best. I didn't show him my capabilities. <laughs> Brooke is, Brooke, Brooke is a gas. Yes. I am a gas. Shocked. Thank God I didn't have a girlfriend.
<laughs> it would have been Olive. Oh my goodness. Oh. I mean, you were close. You were just oh, like a letter off. Right I mean, <laughs> Greg Amsinger next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Our buddy, Native St. Louisan, the lead anchor for MLB Network, Greg Amzinger, is on the line. Uh, and uh, Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis are here. I'm Randy Carricker. Greg Amzinger, as you know... I was not the best student in the world. I was just showing Brooke Grimsley. She was aghast at the fact that I had a 1.7 GPA in my junior year of high school. But like baseball, I knew it was a long season, so I wasn't worried about that. I'm not worried about the Cardinals. Good morning. How are you doing? 1.7? Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, it it was bad. (laughs) Were you struggling with your name? Did you have a hard time putting your name on your work? Greg, I was concentrating on baseball. I mean, 1.7? Were you, like, ill? Did you miss the majority of the days of school? I may or may not have missed some days. You got to check your attendance at the top, right? I think so, yeah. How many days did you miss? Did you miss many? Let's see. Were you an ill boy? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Randy, Randy, if you had a kidney transplant, you didn't tell us. That's fine. That's an excuse. No. I don't Man. No, uh, listen, I, I was not a great student. I, I, I was not. Either, I was right? like a 2.3, 2.4 GPA, I, and I am disappointed <laughs> in myself. <laughs> I am. I, lo- I don't regret many things, but I do regret my, um, my lack of effort, if that's a way to put it. And I think I'm going to guess, because I know you so well, looking back, you regret your lack of effort. I'll tell you this. I, I have a tendency to more to look more at the finished product, and yeah. So the, the effort really was not stellar. Let's say, let's do this. We'll go to therapy together next time. I'm in, we won't go to a game. We'll just go to a round of therapy. You and I will sit on a couch somewhere and. And we'll just hash all this stuff out, man. Or we, we can just do it right here. I mean, we, we I don't just, know if your listeners want us to do that right now, but we'll do it. Greg, this is going to take a while. I'd suggest we do it on a golf course. <laughs> uh, are, are you Neil. worried? Uh, uh, two-part question. Are, how worried are you about the Cardinals, and how excited are you that the Reds and Pirates are going to be in the playoffs this year? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, first off, I'm not worried about the Cardinals. And I'm glad fans are worried about the Cardinals because it just means they care. They're watching every minute of the action so far. Um, they have so much depth. I mean, people in St. Louis need to recognize 
the amount of depth on the roster for the Cardinals when it comes to position players. It is pretty clear, and I, I, I almost hate saying something like this when you're a week and a half into the season, but it is clear that they're going to need to add to their starting rotation. They're going to need to. Um, but what they have right now, anybody that watches baseball recognizes the talent on this team. And, and as, as you look at scheduling, I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays, my goodness, undefeated. They're so impressive. Look at the two teams they've played right out of the gate. Who did you so pick as your world champions this year? They are my world champions. That's yes. what I I, I, and I get it. I, I'm just, I'm, all I'm saying is the scheduling matters. I'm picking the Rays to beat the Cardinals in the World Series. I shouldn't have said that out loud, but that is my prediction. I'm trying to do this for the national audience. But in St. Louis, I want to have eggs thrown at me the next time I'm there. But <laughs> I, 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 I don't think people should be worried about the Cardinals. They're going to be on a red-hot streak coming up soon. Once the schedule plays their way, the Braves are really good. Just remind yourself of that. The Braves are really good. Well, Greg, I'm sure that we've been calling it the kerfuffle between Tyler O'Neill and manager Ali Marmol. Just want to get your take on everything that's happened, because obviously it's been kind of the story that's dominated everything in this Braves series. You know, I, I, I see both sides of it, okay? One of my friends, I want to name drop, Randy does it all the time because he's friends with a lot of celebrities. Um I, I'm, I'm friends with Robinson Cano, and I, I know he got popped for PEDs a couple times, but he really understands hitting like no one else. It's an incredible gift this man has. And and I remember when he was a free agent and Mark Teixeira was, uh, you know, critical of him because he, you know, he, he kind of gave 50% on certain plays, didn't sprint down the line every single time like Mark Teixeira used to. Like Mark Teixeira would a two-hopper right back to the pitcher, and he would sprint as hard as he could to first base knowing that he's out, right? And he was critical of his, of his former teammate. And, and Robbie was like, you know, he, what he didn't understand about me is, in my culture, um, I was so disappointed that I let my team down. A, B, I knew how to stay on the field. I knew how to play 150 or more games every year. I knew when to push my body, when not to push my body. He's like, look at Mark Teixeira's career. He was on the IL all the time. He was he was hurt constantly in the life of his contract with the Yankees. So actually, like with the baseball reference, I, looked, I compared their contracts. And I said to myself, wow, Robbie's right. Robbie played all the time, never missed games, and Mark Teixeira was hurt all the time. So what do I want? Do I want a guy – to sprint as hard as he can on every pointless play. But I like the way it looks, and if he pulls a hammy, who cares? I like the way this guy plays. Or do I want a guy that knows when to decelerate, and he's in the lineup every day? And based on what I heard from Tyler O'Neill, he's doing everything he can to stay on the field. And look at what the Minnesota Twins are doing right now with Byron Buxton. Byron Buxton is, without question, the best defensive center fielder in baseball. He's not playing defensive center field. He's DHing. Why? They want him to stay on the field. It's harder for some players to stay on the field. So I love Ali Marmol. I think he's an awesome guy. I think he's doing a great job. And I'm a huge Tyler O'Neill fan. But on this certain topic, I'm going to side with the player who's had a hard time staying on the field. I want him to think about staying on the field. I don't need 
Bryce Harper to dive headfirst into the right field wall for a, an out in the third inning of a game where it's six to four. I, I don't need that. Let the ball hit the wall. I need you to stay on the field, okay? So it, it's, it's a unique topic, and I, I'm glad we're having it. And I think Tyler O'Neill did, did the right thing, and he's doing the right thing by, by being aware of what's important. Greg, many people predicted Jordan Walker to be the rookie of the year. I want to know what was it that everyone, you included, saw in him, despite only playing in double-A, that thought that he could come up and do what he is doing right now? Man, I tell you what, you can see so much just through body language. And watching him hit, and the he's, he's got this relaxed approach. He's got this open stance. And he doesn't have, like, this weird bat waggle that Eric Davis used to have with the Cincinnati Reds, who, by the way, is one of the top five most talented players I've ever seen in my lifetime. Um, Eric Davis, just go Google his stats when he played for the Reds. Um, but this physical, um, I don't know, physical talent, which, yeah, physical talent, which was so immense. And, and, and to me, I think he, he's relaxed at a young age facing big league pitching. He's so advanced in his confidence, his physical confidence. He doesn't, he doesn't look bad on swings. I mean, that's a hard thing to do. When you're facing 98 miles an hour with crazy spin, he never looks overmatched at a young age. It just, just, it's just like you, you go and um, I, I, I worked in Terre Haute, Indiana, right out of college, okay? And they had this, like, cattle fair, Okay. I'd never been to one of these things before, but they would like bring a horse and a cow and walk them through and you can bid on the animal. And I'm standing there with guys who knew what they were looking at. And I'm like, what is this? Like why, what separates one cow from another cow or one horse from another horse? Like, I didn't understand. Like the one horse walked through and they'd be like, not even paying attention. I'm like, well, that horse looks like the horse before. Like, no, it doesn't. I'm like, what? And then, and then one horse would walk through and you can buy any one of these. And, this one horse walks through, and they're everyone screaming. They all want to bid on it. They all want this horse. I had no idea what I was looking at. I had no idea what I was looking at. <laughs> but when it comes to baseball, right, over time, I've seen what great players, former players, see in young players. They see what we can't see. And all of my buddies at MLB Network look at Jordan Walker, and they're like, you have no idea what you're looking at, Greg. This is a superstar in the making. So I'm going to side with the guys that know. Greg, I'm going to list some names here, and then I'm going to ask you a question. And those names are Miguel Vargas, Miguel Rojas, and James Outman. Those are the three up-the-middle primary defenders for the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are first in the National League in run differential, and they're first in their division in uh, in record. Uh, they're starting Dustin May. They're starting Noah Syndergaard. They're starting somebody named Michael Grove. Why are the Dodgers always so good? <laughs> well, it is kind of a West Coast uh, game plan that the Cardinals have, which is spend smart money, and they spend lots of money. But it's, you know, Andrew Friedman doesn't go over the top for almost anyone, although the Bauer deal was pretty significant for a per-year basis. Um, Andrew Friedman's really good. Andrew Friedman is a brilliant baseball mind. He knows when to dip his toe in free agency. He knows when to uh, commit to scouting still. He still commits to scouting, and that matters. So the Dodgers know what they're doing. They've done it for a long time, and I believe they have the best approach 
to putting a roster together out west. I think the Cardinals do it as well as anyone. The Braves have a great system in place. But if you look, to me, I think the stat is crazy. If you look at the teams that have the most rookies of the year all time, the teams that are second and third on that list, if you combine them, that's 18. That's as many rookies of the year as the Dodgers. The Dodgers know how to pump out the best young players in baseball at a level historically that, 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 that no one can wrap their minds around. This is before Andrew Friedman. So I kinda, I've, I've broken it down this way. When you're a young guy and you're 20, 23, 24, and you break into the big leagues and you're in Hollywood, you don't want to embarrass yourself, man, because you got beautiful people in the stands. <laughs> it brings out the best in you. You know what I mean? There could be a movie director as it's sitting there. You're looking at Danny DeVito in the eye after you pop out. You can't. You can't look like you don't belong in the show. So uh, it has something to do with that because whoever they commit to, that's a young player, is always an impact player. The Dodgers, to your point, Randy, are always very good. Amazing. Hey, before we let you go, how's the new setup going with uh, Adnan Verk and Harold doing the early edition of MLB tonight, and then you and Danny joined by a rotating cast in the evening edition? How's everything going so far? We have loved it. Um, they moved me into the middle chair, which is weird. That's a different look for me, it man. Is. Like, I know, I know that I'm, I'm sitting where Harold used to sit in the middle. Uh, you know, Ernie Johnson does that every night on, on Turner. And that's just like, you, you, I almost see too much. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like being in the corner where one of my eyes was completely blocked away from all the games. But now I'm sitting right in front of every game on a wall. So it's a bit distracting because if something happens, I'm hosting the show. I can't just, like, not be talking about what's on TV right now. So other than that, um, it, it, it's, it's been going great. Uh, I, did, I did warn all my friends on the early show I'm like, listen, Harold Reynolds is a legend. He's arguably the greatest studio analyst of all time. But he's going to miss Greggy because Greggy, <laughs> Greggy was like babysitting him a lot, okay? <laughs> and now he is on the early show where his all of his ideas, if you think I have crazy ideas, Randy, you need to hang out with Harold for like 10 minutes. Harold's got more crazy ideas for TV than I do. And now all these producers are like panicking and there's only one person that can speak reason to this man. And that is me <laughs> and they are gone. So all of these people on the early show are drowning in Harold ideas, but it's still going well. The show's great. Harold's amazing. But he's going to miss his babysitter. I was a really good babysitter. <laughs> and I, I do have to tell you this, and you are a handsome devil, no question about it, whenever you show up on TV. Uh, and you, you have magnificent hair. But you, the, the left side of your face is where it's at. I think you've noticed this. You are, you are a left side of the face guy. So moving into the middle kind of detracts a little bit from what you have brought America for so many years with the left side of your yeah, face. No. No, yeah, you're right. You're saying camera left. It's really like my personal right side of my face. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes, because my left side of my face, I don't know what happened. I, I, I don't know if I was hit as a child. I don't know what happened to my face. The left side of my face is not... 
it's just not what the right side of my face <laughs> is. And uh, you're right. It is unfortunate. I, I feel like my agent should be aware of this, this move. The movie made to the middle because I think my brand is changing and my stock is going down. No, it's not. Um, you still got the suits. You still got the hair. Don't worry about it. Don't yeah. worry. You're, you're fine. But even the, even that side of my hair is weird. Like that part of my hairline is a bit weird. I don't know what my parents did. I think I was dropped. I think my mom had a lot of groceries, walking down the steps, and she dropped me. And that side of my whole head is just weird. But thank you, Randy. Thank you, Randy, for pointing that out. So now people can stare at that part of my face. When they watch MLB, <laughs> have have a great day. We'll be tuned in. All right, guys. Thanks, take brother. Care. See you. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line for take it or leave it. The text line number is three one four three nine 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 six four six three one four three nine nine. Yo ho! Here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. It is time for Tioli, Brooke, Carrie, Matthew, and Randy. Kids, take it or leave it. Vladimir Tarasenko has a hat trick against his former team tonight for the Rangers. Ooh, I'm going to leave that. Okay. Feels like a lot of goals. It Maybe does. One. He can do it. He's done it in the past. It I'm going to leave it. Okay. Maybe, maybe a goal, but the Blues have been playing decently well. They have, but they have a tendency Recently. to allow a goal or two. Um, Randy, the... Pitching has not been stellar mm-hmm. this first few games. I, I have the statistics for you, sir. Okay. Your uh, Cardinal starting pitchers right now are ranked 28th. You know how many teams are in Major League Baseball? 30. 30. 30. They're 28th. Uh, the Cardinal oh, starters easy. are with an earned run average of 7.14. It's not, it's the, not great. The floor is yours. All right. So take it or leave it. If this continues into May, and I mean May 1st, we will be looking at uh, trade partners. I'm going to leave it. Because teams really? just don't trade starting pitching. They're, teams don't trade starting pitching until the All Star break. Even if they are given something that they can't say no, even an offer that they can't refuse. We're talking Graceffo and Libertor. The Cardinals will try oh, to they'll work. They'll bring those up from those guys yeah, up. Before they'll, they... they'll work from within before they go outside. Okay. So, how soon till we see Graceffo and Libertor? I would say Libertor. If you're in May and you've got a 7.14 starters ERA, I, I would think that Libertor would probably get an opportunity depending on who it is that's failing and I would think that there's a chance uh, Graceffo we, we could see by the all-star break but if, if you have two guys that are failing I mean if you have a 7.14 ERA on May a starters ERA on May 15th you're probably out of the hunt anyway mm-hmm. it's a, nobody has a 7.14 ERA for a season nobody it just doesn't happen okay take it or leave it I, I'm going to go a little controversy with the Masters starting today. Happy Masters, yeah. by the way. It's starting Indeed. today. We're all excited, right? I am going to feel a little bit of controversy here. A live, a live golfer will win the Masters. I love this question. Ooh. A live l- golfer will win the Masters. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it, too. Oh, what? How terrible would that be? Yeah. 
Would that be bad? It would be really bad. <laughs> like, like it'd, it'd, really... Be great, it'd be great for us, but I yes. think it'd be really bad for the PGA Tour. Yes. It would be. But that. But don't you think that that's what the live players are thinking about? And they're mm-hmm. trying to, everybody's trying to play that everything's all nice and happy. It won't be all nice and happy right. if a live golfer wins yeah. the Masters. And I think with the way Scheffler and Rory and uh, John Rahm are playing, I think it'd be really an upset. I guess Dustin Johnson has a chance. I don't think Kepka. Kepka has played well in majors before, but I still think it would be a major upset if he would win. I don't see Patrick Reed, even though some people are dumb enough to bet on Patrick Reed to win the thing. I feel like you're calling somebody out in particular with that one. Not really. No, just anybody who put the money on Patrick Reed to win the Masters this year. <laughs> Which you can't You can't do that here in Missouri. Isn't the point of betting to make the watching the event fun? Yeah, but what happens if Patrick Reed's in the hunt? I'm saying it's not going to be fun to It's not going to be fun. No at all. So, uh, I got to leave it, Brooke. But it, I, I'm just here for the controversy. Monday no. will be epic if somebody from Live does win. Oh my God, it's going to be everywhere because, like I yeah. said, all the other PGA Tour golfers that didn't go over to Live take the money. There's mm-hmm. going to be some controversy there if that does happen. But either way, you got to love Masters weekend. I am a little bit concerned about the weather. They had that up there a minute ago. Yeah. So hopefully that will be fine. But still, you can't beat Masters weekend. All right, let's get a couple of texts. Randy, take it or leave it. Mount Rushmore of St. Louis offensive lineman, Deardorf, Banks, Pace, Timmerman. Oh, uh, Ernie McMillan was a really good offensive lineman. I think I would take him. Uh, Tom Banks was a really good player. I, I would take Conrad Dobler. I was going to say Dobler's not there. Over Banks. Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, that is... Uh, Tom Newton was a really, really good player. Really underrated player. I th- Tom Newton was probably a better player. Yeah. Dobler was a pro bowler. I go Deardorff, Dobler. Deardorff and Pace are easy. They're in the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. And I think I, at first blush, as much as I love Adam, I think I would go with Ernie McMillan as my third. And I have no problem putting Adam Timmerman on that list. Adam Timmerman was a stud. Take it or or leave it. The Cardinals should be using Tommy Edmond as the trade piece to get pitching. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that. Yeah, I don't know how that... Yeah, I got to leave that. Uh, It's too early for that. Yeah, but I am thinking, though, depending on what Mason Wynn does early, the the concern we had about uh, Tommy Edmond when they moved him shorts up last year was arm strength. Mm -hmm. And I still think that's a concern. I still think that he is better served and serves the club better playing second base certainly helps. Uh, take it or leave it. The last couple of seasons, the Brewers have had their way in the NL Central up to June. The Cardinals will not see first place in the division until at least July. Ooh. I will say that I feel like the Cardinals are more of a second half. They are a team? big picture organization. They always are. But they but, always seem to turn it, turn it up in yeah. the second half of the season. Uh, they've got Milwaukee, then they're at Colorado. Colorado's not good. Then they've got Pittsburgh here. They've got Arizona here. They're pretty good. I would say that uh, by mid-April, April 20th, the Cardinals will see first place. April 20th. Wow. That's, yep. that's, that's, that's There a, you go. All right. I said April yep, 14th. Uh, I have to keep that in. Yeah, so there, there you go. go. That's, uh, that's two weeks from today. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, the... Subject of Ali Marmol and Tyler O'Neill got a little bit more context yesterday, and we're going to hear what Greg Amsinger had to say, and then hear some of the things that they had to say, and Mo had to say about it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
love Ollie Marmol. I think he's an awesome guy. I think he's doing a great job. I, and I'm a huge Tyler O'Neill fan. But on this certain topic, I'm going to side with the player who's had a hard time staying on the field. I want him to think about staying on the field. I don't need Bryce Harper to dive headfirst into the right field wall for a, an out. I need you to stay on the field, okay? So it, it's it's a unique topic, and I, I'm glad we're having it. And I think Tyler O'Neill did, did the right thing, and he's doing the right thing. That's our buddy Greg Amsinger of MLB Network talking about the kerfuffle between Ali Marmol and <laughs> Brooke's favorite Tyler word. O'Neill. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. It's a perfect word. And yesterday on Bally Sports, Jim Hayes talked to the Cardinal Pobo, John Mozalak, and Mo gave his thoughts on this kerfuffle. We play, we play 100%. Like, you, you go hard. And, you know, I certainly understand players that are trying to think through 162 and, and trying to manage, like, their energy and their load and how we think about it. But as a team, we try to help them do that, too. So when you're in a game, expectations are high. Expectations are that you go full throttle. And, you know, if there's a debate or interpretation of, of how that was last night, um, I think we'll try to keep that inside the clubhouse doors. But my take on this is Cardinals play it one way and you try to play it the right way and mo thank you for that we really do respect that the cardinals try to keep everything behind closed doors so i'm sure there's nothing more to say about this situation you know when you look back at at his career um he's trying to manage how he gets through that 162 but as i just said you know this is about when you're out there you're going full throttle and you know i don't want to like re-debate what people thought they saw or didn't see what we know is what we know and um you know i know what we expect for the cardinals those doors are wide <laughs> open. open those doors are wide <laughs> open freaking open. Those doors are not closed. Somebody <laughs> forgot to lock it and just let it, let it let it all out. There's nothing closed about those doors because I feel like I know way more than I need to about this whole situation <laughs> with Tyler O'Neill, Ali Marmol, and the Cardinals in general. I I and look, I've said this before. I don't doubt what they're saying. I do think the Cardinals way is give not just 100%, 110%. I don't think Tyler O'Neill was loafing it. I think that there was a lot more circumstances in there. Ronald Acuna Jr. has a freaking cannon for an arm. Warner was sending him. That's also something that could be questionable as well. Does Tyler need to use his own judgment? Yes. Tyler O'Neill also spent his entire offseason here making sure that he can play and stay healthy for the Cardinals. And he worked with a particular training staff, mm-hmm. Cardinals training staff. And so I would assume that they thought that they would be on the same page. And maybe they're not. Maybe this should have been a grander discussion. But I can see how you could be a little taken aback where you have a one-on-one discussion with your manager, you guys hash it out, and then the manager turns around and says something publicly that could have been kept behind closed doors. And I wonder, Tim McKernan made this point yesterday on the balloon party. You've got a group of veteran players and a second-year manager and the players know. The players know that they didn't. That Ollie and obviously Ollie and Tyler O'Neill didn't hash things out behind closed doors. And you wonder if there's a chance, and you hope not, that Ollie could lose the group. I, I do think Ollie Marmol needs to explain to the team and to O'Neill why this happened. Probably prevent it from happening again. See, I, I don't think that. I think Ollie Marmol has the ear and the eyes, and I think they really respect him. When I see him in the dugout staring holes through pitchers that that 
throw inside to his batters. When I see him staring holes through umpires when they're not being consistent in their strike zone, those are the things as a player, yeah, I'm, I'm going to run through a wall for this guy because this guy has my back. I don't see that as an issue. I see the issue being they wanted the man to run full speed on 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 uh, going around third, and he didn't. And that's an issue. And to, to what Greg said earlier, yeah, he was talking about Robinson Cano and maybe not hauling, you know, just hauling it out, going down first base when you hit a ground ball to the shortstop or to the second baseman. That's vastly different than coming around third to score a run in a game yeah. that you're down in and you need every single run that you can get. And if anyone is watching that play, again, I don't think Tyler O'Neill is lazy. I don't think he was running as hard as he could have on that particular play. Agreed. And there w- th- th- you won't be able to argue with me on that because I'm watching him. I've seen him run as hard as he can, and I've seen him not run as hard as he can on that play. But I also have seen it in center field. I told you all a couple of weeks ago, he doesn't look like he's moving as well, and maybe it's because he doesn't want to get hurt. And this is a personal thing for him because – Again, this is my livelihood. This is how I feed my family. You know who's going to be here next year, five years, 10 years, 20 years from now? The St. Louis Cardinals. They're going to be here. They're going to have their organization. They're going to make money. I have to protect myself. And in that moment, that's what Tyler O'Neill is probably thinking and why he's not going as fast as he needed to. Well, and there there has been some questionable base running. We were talking about this early with the Cardinals, that maybe this is something that should just be addressed in general, just kind of like a reset, re-going over a message of what they expect from the Cardinals base running-wise, because the Cardinals have had five runners thrown out while trying to advance to an extra base on a batted ball. To me, that sounds like maybe, and here's the, here's the beauty of this all, guys. We're just starting the season, so you can address a lot of different things here early on and kind of Mm -hmm. reset. Maybe there needs to be a just talk in general with the group about intentions, expectations, all that kind of stuff here moving forward. And I guarantee you, Tyler O'Neill moving forward is going to make sure that whether him and Ollie Hot like hatch it out or not, he's going to make sure that moving forward that maybe he can even prove Ollie and the Cardinals wrong and show him, look, I'll go out there and prove it. He's the type of person that I can see accepting that challenge. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues, joins us on the eve of Vladimir Tarasenko returning with the New York Rangers. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues Booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The St. Louis Blues back in action tonight. They take on the New York Rangers at Enterprise Center. It's a 6 o'clock pregame and a 7 o'clock faceoff. Here on 101 ESPN right now, it's the opening drive with Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the celebrity line and the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, kind enough to join us. The Blues' last game was a 4-2 win over Philadelphia on Tuesday night. JK, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you today? I'm doing well. And I don't think that from just uh, the thrill of a goal standpoint, I I think maybe my favorite goal that I've ever seen for the Blues was Vladdy's one-hander in New York at Madison Square Garden against the Rangers. I think it was like 2014. That was spectacular. Yeah, I agree. It was um, one of the most incredible goals that 
that I've ever seen. And, you know, obviously Peter Forsberg, the Hall of Famer, who I had a chance to, to broadcast games for for nine years, he really um, was the first to make that kind of play, that one-headed bowl when he did it in the Olympics and won a gold medal for Sweden. So I had never seen that live, and for, for Vladdy to pull that off, um, he also walked by about three guys at the blue line, which also made the goal even more incredible. Um, but for me to see it in person and, and to call that goal, it was, um, and of course, in New York at MSG was certainly a great, great night and a great thrill. JK, you got four games left on the season. What do you want to see from the Blues uh, as they close out the 2022-2023 the season? Well, just continue to play the way they've been playing. I mean, the team is now 7-2-2 two and two in the last 11 games, and they're scoring a lot of goals. So um, it's an audition for, for some players for next year and, you know, you know, trying to experiment a little bit, cap it in at center and, and things like that. Hopefully the Blues get Thomas back in Buchnevich, um with upper body injuries. Hopefully they will play tonight. We'll see. But um, I think that's just, the you know, the sort of keep on keeping going the, the way they've been playing. And, um, obviously, the, after the the trades at the deadline, the, the team really struggled, and I think um, it was a bit of a shock to the system, obviously, to lose O'Reilly and Achari, and, and prior to that, Mikola and, and Tarasenko. Um, even though it wasn't a shock that it was going to happen, I think once it does happen, obviously it's tough for the team. But they've overcome that and played really well, and, and again, these last four games, just keep on doing what you're doing and hopefully win some more here and, and uh, play well. John, we've seen Jordan Kyrou obviously grow as a player. He has 72 points, including 37 goals so far. But it seems like, in a lot of ways, he's kind of growing as a person as well. Have you seen his maturity chi- kind of change as well? Well, I think that, you know, number one, when you listen to Jordan after a game like he had the other night and um, obviously has played really well all season long, is that he knows when he plays well and he also knows that his game is still growing, Brooks. So he acknowledges that, um, you know, he still needs some work on his overall game. And if you watch him play, yeah, he leads the Blues in goals and assists. Um, but at times, without the puck especially, or at the offensive blue line, um, he needs to to play stronger and better perhaps and, and take the risk out of his game. And I think the other thing is, you know, puck battles, you, you can never win enough puck battles. Um, so obviously defensively and things like that and, and being smart with the puck, um, any player can improve, not just Jordan Cairo. So, uh, you know, he's still a young player, but with his skill level and his speed and, and his shot, I think his shot is very underrated. Um, there, to me, there's no question now that he's approaching 40 goals that this guy could score 50 goals with his shot. If he would shoot it a little bit more, be a little more selfish, uh, I think we could see a 50-goal score down the road with the Blues. John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues, with us on 101 ESPN. J.K., I, I still don't know, and I don't think any of us really know what Jacob Jakob Vrana is, but he obviously has shown us the skill. And you talk about Kairou. I kind of get the same feeling about Vrana. He's just got to become a more consistent performer. Yeah, I think that's true, Randy. Um but, uh, you know, obviously keep in mind that, and we know he just came to this team about a month ago, so he's still sort of feeling his way around. But I've been impressed, uh, you know, the, the obvious things. His speed is really good, and he's got a really good shot. And I think the one thing that he does really well is he shoots the puck quickly. And, you know, that's something that we saw Brett Hall do his entire career. You know, Brett Hall didn't get the puck and dust it off and then pick a spot and then shoot it. When he got the puck, it was on the net. 
And and that's what Verona does. I'm not comparing Verona to Brad Hall, mind you. You know, a guy that scored over, you know, whatever, six or 700 goals. But that's the biggest thing to me is he's got a really good quick shot and lets it go. So I think that it, he's been a pleasant surprise, better than I thought he would be. And um, I've been really impressed. And hopefully it can, can, can continue next season. J.K., do you expect this team to look pretty similar to what it looks like right now? And if so, what players, what younger players are you looking at to kind of take a step forward as they go into, their, into next season? Well, I think, you know, it's only, you know, April 5th or 6th. It's way too early to start predicting what this team could look like next season with, you know, you have free agency and, and the draft, obviously, and, and possible trades and re-signings and things like that. So, um, you know, obviously the future of the St. Louis Blues is is with the younger players, you know, the Robert Thomases and, and the Jordan Kairos. But, you know, people forget, I think, that the Blues veterans, you know, Falk and, and especially a guy like Shen and, and Saad, you know, these guys aren't old guys, and you could throw Preco in, in, in that mix as well, um, and Krug. You know, the, these guys are in the prime of their careers, so it's not like the Blues have a bunch of 38-year-olds and a bunch of 22-year-olds. They've got a good mix right now uh, of players that are entering their prime and players in their prime. So, um, obviously, down the road, Thomas and Cairo are going to, you know, take the reins of this team. Uh, but right now, I think they have a pretty good mix as far as the age of the team. What do you think about Justin Falk's play right now, especially he's been rising offensively, now has nine points in his last four games. What do you think about his performance here? You know, Brooke, I think, quite honestly, the the last really three years, you know, he came to the Blues after they won their cup, and I think it was an adjustment period. He had never been traded before, and I I think his game was a little bit tentative compared to what it is now. Uh, But since then, I think he has been really solid um, you could argue certainly that he's been their best defenseman in the last couple of years, um, certainly this year. I just like the way he, he controls um, the game. He, he's solid in all three zones. His gap control is really good, uh, a good defender, and obviously now picking up a lot of points here late in the year. So uh, I've been really impressed with, with his game on and off the ice. I, I just think he's been a, a fabulous addition for this team. I agree. John Kelly, always good to have you with us on the show. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we will see you tonight at the rink. Okay, thank you very much. See you later. That's the TV voice of the Blues, our friend John Kelly with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight. Do we have a fighter? We do need a fighter. So you can text in to 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Just text in uh, that number to that number with the word fight and maybe Matthew will choose you to fight against me today here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner average Joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning drive Welcome, Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by the hilarious Brooke Grimsley. <laughs> it's time for the fight, and our fighter today is Brian. Brian, how are you doing today? Pretty good, Carrie and Brooke. How's it going? 
Oh, we're making it. Doing great. We're, we're, we're doing going. this radio thing and having a great time. Uh, all right, Brian, here we go. You ready? Yes. All right. In the sixth inning of Game 7 of the 2006 NLS, NLCS, excuse me, which Cardinal hit the long shot would-be home run that led to the Mets outfielder Indy Chavez's miraculous catch? Is it Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland, or Yadier Molina? Oh, man. Uh, I think it might have been Scott Rowland. I'm not sure. Which starting pitcher did the Cardinals receive receive alongside Ozzie Smith in the offseason trade from the Padres prior to the 1982 season? Is it John Stuper, John Martin, or Steve Mura? Can you repeat the question one more time? Which starting pitcher did the Cardinals receive alongside Ozzie Smith in the offseason trade from the Padres prior to the 1982 season? John Stuper, John Martin, or Steve Mura? Blue is Stuper. Tiger Woods owned the rec- owns the record for largest win at any major tournament when he won by 15 strokes at which event? The U.S. Open, the Masters, or the PGA Championship? Uh, PGA Championship. Elvis Andrews is the fourth active player with 2,000 hits, joining Miguel Cabrera, Nelson Cruz, and which NL first baseman? Paul Goldschmidt. Freddie Freeman or Joey Votto? Uh, Joey Votto, I think. All right, we will double check that score. We will bring in Randy Carricker. How you feeling, Brian? Uh, not great. <laughs> not great. <laughs> not great. <laughs> well, you know, you got a, you got an opportunity here. That's all you can ask for. Randy yeah. may be off of his game. I don't know. He was off his game earlier, end of last week, beginning of this week. He gave up a Hall of Fame opportunity, which never happens. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. This, this is three times harder when you're going up going up against Randy in person. So I agree. Randy, say hello to Brian. Brian, good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> Not too bad, Randy. Good. It's great, great to have you here. Brooke is throwing around water. <laughs> Wait, okay. That was Rocky. Oh, Rocky did. Okay. Bless his heart. There's a lot happening over here on this side today. I'm, I, I'm ready to participate. All right, right, right. Here we go. Yes. In the sixth inning of Game Seven of the 2006 NLCS, which Cardinal hit the long shot would-be home run that led to the Mets outfielder Indy Chavez's miraculous catch? That would have been Hall of Famer Scott Rowland. Wow, what a catch! Which starting pitcher did the Cardinals receive alongside Ozzie Smith in the offseason trade from the Padres prior to the 1982 season? Uh, Brooke, that would have been Steve Mura, who had one of the great lines in the history of baseball. And Nate Colbert was a really good home run hitter for the Padres from St. Louis. And Steve Mura, when he got to the Cardinals, said, you know, tradition in St. Louis is Stan Musial coming through the clubhouse and glad-handing you. Tradition in San Diego is Nate Colbert coming in to try to sell you a used car. (laughs) (laughs) See, Mira. Okay, I got you. All right. Tiger Woods owns the record for the largest win at any major tournament when he won by 15 strokes at which event? I think that would have been the 2000 U.S. Open. I I believe it was the 2000 U.S. Open that he won by 15. 
Elvis Andrus is the fourth active play player with 2,000 hits, joining Miguel Cabrera, Nelson Cruz, and which NL first baseman? Right off the bat, I'm thinking Joey Votto. I think NL first baseman. It's not Freeman. It's not Jake Cronenworth. It's not Goldie. Doesn't have 2,000 hits yet. I think I'm going to go with Joey Votto of the Reds' fine lancer. All right, we have a winner of today's fight. Don't need to bang the table there. Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis with the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. Well, I shop anywhere Unfortunately, Brian, you heard Mr. Buck, and that means that Randy got the jack. He beat you four to two today. Yeah, I kind of the two that I that I got wrong. I knew it was either that correct answer that Randy said or the one I said. And I was like, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, we can we can give you a thirty three percent chance, but we can't bump it up to fifty. <laughs> Let's go through the answers in this one. You heard them all from Randy Carricker. The sixth inning of Game Seven of that two thousand six NLCS, and it was Scott Rowland who sent a moonshot, and somehow Andy Chavez was able to get over that. The Mets have a plaque at the park about a game they lost, which is insane to me. Like they have a plaque for the Andy Chavez catch, hey. great catch, but you 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 lost the game and didn't go to the World Series. Yeah. You still put up a plaque for it? Hey, how long was the biggest moment in Blues history, the Monday Night Miracle, in a series that they lost? That's a fair point. It's a good point. Which starting pitcher did the Cardinals receive alongside Ozzie Smith? It was, in fact, Steve Murr, who went on to go 11-12 and 12 in the 1982 World Series winning team. Tiger Woods owns the record for the largest win at any major when he won the 2000 U.S. Open by 15 strokes. He led by one after the first, six after the second, ten after the third round, and then that magical 15 after the fourth. He was pretty good. A little bit. And Elvis Elvis Andrews is the fourth active player. I cannot believe that's Elvis Andrews with 2,000 hits joining Miguel Cabrera, Nelson Cruz, and, in fact, Joey Votto. 4-2 win for Randy Carricker. Brian, again, thank you so much for joining the show and the fight today. Oh, thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, Brian. Good to have you with us. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, the Masters is underway. Tiger Woods is playing. He might play here at some point in the future. And we're ramping up. We're only six months away from the Ascension Charity Classic. We're going to talk to our friend Nick Ragone about what's going on in the world of golf nationally and locally next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The 2023 Masters is underway down at Augusta. Tiger Woods is going to tee off pretty soon, and uh, there's a lot of golf going on, a lot of golf to talk about with our friend Nick Ragone, who's the tournament director of the Ascension Charity Classic at Norwood coming up in the fall. Nick, it's always good to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time this morning. How are you? You know, it's like Christmas in April. It's Masters Week. Is there any better time of the year? It's a tradition unlike any other, for sure. Okay, I started with this conversation about Tiger Woods, and you and I, and by the way, Nick is going to be with us on The 101 on Sports Sunday night on Fox 2, and you and I talk in that interview about Tiger Woods and the possibility of him playing here in St. Louis. Yeah, you know, I was fortunate. About four months ago, uh, I was at a PJ Tour Partners meeting in Florida, and it's about 20 of us, and um, 
the commissioner, Jay Monahan, said I had a couple guests joining, and it turned out to be Tiger and Rory. And I chatted with Tiger for probably five to seven minutes, uh, and we had a great conversation. I said, we'd love to have you in St. Louis in a few years. And he said, absolutely. He said, get my cart ready. <laughs> and then he said it again a second time later in that evening. He said, where's my friend in St. Louis? Get my cart ready. So I stood up and said, everybody heard that. Tiger's committed <laughs> to playing at the Charity Classic. And uh, and so this week, the reason why I bring it up is this week at the Masters press conference, apropos of nothing, he said, I can't wait until I turn 50. I get a buggy, as he put it, and I could play out there with my friend Freddie. And I really believe, Randy, that when he turns 50, he can still hit the ball. If you watch him this week, he's going to hit it well. He just struggles walking. When he gets a cart and he's competitive and can hit the ball, he's going to play a full-time schedule, and he's going to be in St. Louis. We're going to do everything we can to get him to, to live up to that promise. Hey Nick, you uh, you you. We talk about the Masters and how great of a spectacle it is. When we talk about sporting events, we hear about the World Cup. We hear about um, you know, March Madness that just took place, the Super Bowl, all of these great events, the Kentucky Derby. What makes the Masters such a great event for spectators to be a part of? You know, two things. A great question. One is it, it happens every year at Augusta National, and because of that, we're all so familiar. All of us that watch it on TV, I know every hole at Augusta National inside out, as do most of us, because we see it every year. It's the only major that's on the same course. That's one thing. And tradition is a big part of golf. You know, it's a, it's a sport of tradition. And, you know, you could point out Jack in 86, Tiger in 97, uh, Gene Sarazen's double eagle in 34. You can point all these things out and remember it, and there's continuity to it. And the other part that we all love is, you saw it today with the ceremonial first shot, you had Gary Player, Jack, and, and Tom, is that there's really a reverence for the champions that came before and I think it's just a unique celebration of the sport and it's a really special time even for people that don't really love golf they understand that the Masters is something different Nick I have to ask you I know how much you love golf and the Masters do you have a pick for this weekend of who's going to win I mean, Brooke, would it be lame if I said Scotty Scheffler? I know that sounds lame, and I hate saying that, but he's playing really, really good golf. He seems extremely comfortable in his own skin. Now, emotionally, I'm pulling for Rory. I've gotten to know Rory a little bit. I played with him last fall, and I don't think anybody uh, is putting more pressure on themselves than Rory. You know, he's going for a career grand slam, which is a big deal. That puts you in an iconic group. And uh, so I'm going to be rooting for Rory, but I have a feeling Scotty might go back to back for the first time since Tiger did it in 2001, 2002. Nick Ragone, the Ascension Charity Classic, 152 days away. The Ascension Charity Classic presented by Emerson. It's September 5th through 10th. And this is going to be, amazingly, because it's been so good so far, bigger and better than it has been in the first two years. Absolutely. It's going to, you know, we're blessed. We had great weather, great leaderboard to have David Toms win one year and then Padraig Harrington, two great champions. And this year we're going to have um, Stuart Sink is turning 50. Stuart won two years ago on the big tour. He's playing some of the best golf of his life. He'll be in the field. He's already committed. Um, Noda Begay, the third, Tiger's best friend, turns 50. We'll have Duvall and Leonard back, you know, Steve Stricker, the Furick Els. It's going to be a great field. And here's the beauty. One of the great storylines is that Bernard Longer's at 45 wins, tied with Hale Irwin for all time. I know that Longer would love to break that record in Hale's adopted hometown of St. Louis. And he was on the leaderboard last year. Longer was in the final group with Stricker and Harrington. So I think that's going to be a great storyline. Nick, when you're looking, we, we touched on Tiger earlier. I want to go back to that. When you're watching him play right now, is it tough to watch him play knowing how great he has been throughout his entire career? And then at times just watching him, you know, struggle walking, let alone swinging a golf club. You know, it's a great question. Butch Harmon, Butch Harmon, his former coach, made a similar observation this morning that 
Uh, if you look at Tiger's swing, and remember, his lower back is fused. His swing looks as good now as it did in 2000, meaning it's under control. He's on plane. He still gets it out there. I mean, he has 180-mile-per-hour ball speed. That's amazing. That's as long as Justin Thomas. So it does hurt because were it not for his inability to walk, I think he'd still have tournaments in him to win. I mean, mm-hmm. he won in 2019. Just if you look at the way he hits the ball – it's as good as he ever hit it. It's just that he, you know, walking Augusta National, and especially this week, it's going to be wet and soggy. It's hard. It's hilly and cold. I just, it, it breaks my heart because, you know, he still has the ability to win. It's just that his body's not going to let him do it. Well, and just going back to the Ascension Charity Classic, I mean, I think one of my favorite moments is, like how close you get to get to these legendary golfers. And I mean, even walking around the past few years with John Daly and seeing the fans interacting with him, I feel like there's so many John Daly stories, right? With fans interacting with him at the Ascension charity classic. You know, it's it, Brooke. It's what makes it special is that on the Champions Tour, you can really get close to them. And people got to see Daly up close. And I had so many people say, people like Vijay Singh, who was notoriously a grinder on the big tour, was signing stuff and giving playing lessons in the Pro-Am. You know, the thing I always tell people is we have three days of Pro-Ams. If you've never played in a Pro-Am on a Champions Tour, it's a bucket list thing. I mean, you get inside the ropes. They give you playing lessons. You get to fr- befriend them. And so anybody that wants to play in the Pro-Ams, go to CentralCharityClassic.com, get your tickets. By the way, we're running a sweet sweepstakes right now. If you buy your ticket, you get entered into a, a, a sweepstake to win some uh, VIP experiences. And, you know, we're, we're blessed. St. Louis loves St. Louis. And we've had record crowds the first two years, and we think it's only going to get bigger and better. Hey, uh, Nick Ragone, one more thing, and uh, I, I don't want this to be uh, swept under the rug, but it's not just the Ascension Charity Classic during the week of September 5th through 10th. There's so much going on, including the APGA Tour event. I want you just to explain to people that are tuned in what APGA is and what it's attempting to do. Sure. So the APGA is the Advocates Professional Golf Association. It's a developmental tour for mostly African-American golfers, and I will tell you, we did this last year. We said we wanted to make we wanted to lean into diversity and inclusion in golf, and so we got an APGA event the same week. This year, we're going to move the APGA up actually to the second week of August to give it its own space. It's at Glen Echo two days. The Glen Echo ma- membership, by the way, is amazing, and we want to showcase these golfers, and we also want them to get a developmental opportunity to get onto the Corn Ferry and PGA Tour. One of the cool things, Randy, and you know this, is that the winner of our APGA event gets a sponsor's exemption into Worldwide Technologies event, which is at Cabo this year. And that that speaks of volumes of Worldwide and how much they're committed to diversity in golf. And the other thing is the PGA Tour just two weeks ago announced now a developmental partnership with the APGA. Last year, if you remember at our press conference, we said our goal was to help push the tour into making the APGA a developmental tour. Now we're on that road. And Randy, I honestly believe a lot of that momentum started right here. And that's another thing St. Louis can be proud of. Absolutely. Nick Rigon, last thing, tickets. If people want to get tickets for the Ascension Charity Classic coming up in September. Go to AscensionCharityClassic.com. Like I said, get grounds tickets, uh, VIP, Club 314 tickets if you want to play in a Pro-Am. And if you do it for the next couple of days, you get to uh, enter the sweepstakes to uh, get some cool experience experiences as well as potentially meet you randy i know you'll be out there you and brooke well, carry so potentially to meet you guys we will be out there hopefully we'll be broadcasting from there on the friday of the of the first round we will definitely see you heck we might even see it today mr Ragone. thanks so much for the time we appreciate it yeah take care guys see you later nick Ragone from the ascension charity classic what a great job they do and they are not just about the ascension charity classic but as we talk to nick and you know 
there is just a love of golf and a love of promoting the sport, whether it be through promoting the PGA Tour or the APGA event. And early on in the Masters, by the way, uh, we, we talked to John Kelly earlier. I wonder if he roots for Mike Weir. Mike, Canada's Mike Weir is leading the way at the Masters. He's through eight, and he is one under par. Scott Stallings is also at one under. There's a huge group at one under par that includes Matthew McLean, Louis Oosthuizen. I think he might be a live golfer. Kevin Kisner, Adrian Moronk, and Keith Mitchell. They are all at one under par. Wow. I like how you put that out there that we'll be at the Ascension Charity Golf Classic. I am, uh, I'm looking forward to that. I hope that the, the powers to be that are listening right now are... are Putting that into work. I just unilaterally made that decision, but uh, I don't think it'll be a problem at all. I don't think so either. I, I'm with you, Randy. Yeah. So. <laughs> I need. I still need to learn how to golf. That's that's my whole thing. Chris well, is listening. We'll, we, we're we're going to... It's warming up. We know people. Yeah, we know people that know people. We'll I get need outside. to. I've been wanting to. This time a year ago, I could barely hit a golf ball. And then... And um, this time this last... year, he can barely hit a golf ball. And, then... <laughs> and not much has changed. <laughs> and, when I went go- and when I went golfing a week ago... I shanked only two shots. There really? we go. Wow. I couldn't hit a ball a year ago, and I shanked two shots a, a year later because the people at Golf Discount are the best, and so I go. think we'll be able to set you up. There we go. I can whack it where it goes. That's a whole different That's other conversation. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, Brooke. That is Carrie. I'm Randy. Matthew is here. Coming up here on 101 ESPN. We have our rush hour reset. A lot going on here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One further, it came all the way back now for the To rob off. Here comes Tarasenko. He'll bust in a chance. He scores! It's a hat trick on Star Sunday for Vladimir Tarasenko. And the Blues win it in overtime. Tarasenko to the empty net. He scores! And if you've got a hat, chuck it at your radio. A third period hat trick for the Blues by Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, happy Halloween to everyone. Thank you for support. It's 9.01 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Vladimir Tarasenko and the Rangers in town tonight. I am sure that he will get a tremendous <laughs> ovation. Fifth all-time in goals for the St. Louis Blues with 262. Seventh all-time in assists for the Blues with 291. And fifth all-time in Blues points with 553. Interestingly, Vladimir Tarasenko is not in the top 10 all-time in Blues games played. How about that? Fifth in goals, seventh in assists, fifth in points, but not in the top ten in games played. And he did so much for this franchise, obviously was their best player for a a stretch and was a key member of the first Stanley Cup champion ever here in St. Louis. He was their their marquee guy. And so he should be treated extraordinarily well tonight by Blues fans. Oh, he's going to get a nice welcome back. I have no doubt about that. I think... Even though things, it seemed like, soured in that relationship with the Blues and Tarasenko towards the end, that doesn't take away everything that he's done to help this organization. I mean, he was essentially very key 
in the Blues Stanley Cup run and helping this franchise finally get a cup, he's going to be celebrated. You don't like to see the the way that things ended, but I think that we've known, at least for a year or two now, that things were going to end up in this way, where he would go elsewhere. And you can't help but cheer him on. Also, Rocchio just slipping in there. Did you guys hear that in the highlights? The rub off? What does rub off mean? Yeah. <laughs> so that, <laughs> throw that in there. That was, that was one of my favorite favorite moments as well. That was, I mean, that because here's the thing. Sometimes, and we've talked about this before, sometimes us... American reporters, we get we put in all of our little American sayings, right, mm-hmm. and that do not translate into other languages, and that's what happens there. I think it was either Tim or Jim, one of the two, asked him like, "Are the younger players or something rubbing off mm-hmm. on you?" And he said, <laughs> "What does rub off mean?" Yeah. And then it, I saw it on T-shirts at the yep, Stanley Cup parade. Yeah. He didn't. I, I can tell you, I don't think he liked that very much. But it's no, a moment we that we'll remember. Yeah. Yes. And it was during a Stanley Cup run, so that makes it more memorable. Yeah. It, uh, I saw it on shirts at the Stanley great. Cup parade. When if he were able to, you know, you, you kind of sometimes just got to embrace things when, especially uh, it, it turns out to be pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you're using a second language, it may not be as as funny to you. Um, but for him to come back today is going to be uh, an exciting experience for him. I'm sure. I'm sure the fans are going to give him a lot of praise, a lot of clapping, a lot of a standing ovation because of what he's done here. And hopefully, I mean, I know Rock doesn't, well, and I haven't wanted to, but I think they can go ahead and win today, right? Rock, we can we can take a win today. No. No? Stop it. No. What are you doing? What difference does There's it like make? There's like four games left. You can't just be given a, you, you have to get those what? five percentage points between 10th mm-hmm. and 8th. Can they, how far can they, how far can they, they can't get into Seventh is seven. out. Yeah, seventh is out after they lost. If they yeah. would have, if they would have lost to the Flyers, the Flyers would be at seventy three points. They'd be at seventy five, and that'd be a much more plausible gap. But it's it's too big of a gap now. You're not getting well, to seventh. And the I, Rangers still have a way outside chance to catch the Devils and have home ice in their so first round playoff series. To win. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see. Well, right now I want to see Kyrou try to get to forty goals. I want to see uh, Jakub Verana and Kasperi Kapanen still continue to play well in, in, in their, um, you know appearances as, as they go along. They're, they're still the new guys here. Um, we don't know if Thomas is going to play yet, right? We, we're still the, – the, 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 it's still, still out there. It's still out there for him. But I just want to see people play well and perform well. And, and Bennington um, playing in the goal. Go do your job. And I give Craig Berube all the credit in the world, especially the way things happened right after the trades of Vladdy and, and then O'Reilly. And things looked like they were spiraling downward. And they've turned them back around, and this is a highly competitive team. It's not the most highly talented team in the world, but I go back to what Doug Armstrong said after the O'Reilly trade when he said, there will be games where we'll play our best and we just don't have the talents to win the game. We, I, I think he said, we, we won't be able to get over the hump. I think that Craig Bruby has maximized the talent on this team down the stretch. I think so, too. I, I think that especially as you move forward and start to turn the page, um, I like uh, with Craig Ruby. We saw that he was an enforcer, right? Back back in his mm-hmm. old days and he's a tough nose, just like a hard-hitting guy. But what sticks out to me is that he does seem to adapt and change and is open to change, which is what you need especially with this team now going more towards speed, right? Younger yeah. player mm-hmm. speed. Um <clears throat> Now, we do see those instances with him and Jordan Cairo, but I think Jordan Cairo has played really well since their little spat back and forth with each other. I think the thing that I'm really appreciating, especially as a coach and having had really good coaches, what I've seen from Ali and what I've seen from Baruby, 
you have to hold your players accountable. And mm-hmm. if you are if you any great coach that that has had success in any sport in any, you know, baseball, basketball, football, whatever it is, whatever the the four major sports, you are going to have to hold your best players accountable. You're going to have to hold your entire team accountable. And if you don't do that, you're not going to have success. I told you Randy and Brooke when I first when Mike Tomlin's first year he got to Pittsburgh in 07. Bill Cowher retired in 06 after the 06 season, and, and Mike T came in. He had something called <clears throat> the news, and he would put it up every Monday. You did not want to be on the news. And the news essentially was holding every man in that room accountable for their actions on Sunday. And when you are in a room full of your peers and the head coach is showing, when we saw it, we were like, oh, the news, what is this? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then after by week <laughs> five, week six, and you saw the news, you knew you did not want to be on the news. So you just made sure you took care of your responsibilities. And I like that Baruby does that. And I, obviously what Ali has done, I'm liking that as well. Well, and Tarasenko, going back to that, I, he did a really good job of holding himself and his teammates accountable, too, at times. Because I'll never forget when they were dead last in the NHL during that Stanley Cup run. He was the one that faced the media and basically it was just like, look, we're not we're not playing well enough. I vividly remember that. And then things started to come together for them. Also, he's a huge fan of Jordan Bennington. Those two were extremely close. Mm-hmm. He would always go mm-hmm. to bat for mm-hmm. Jordan Bennington. And so, yes, there was some tough times with Tarasenko towards the end there with everything that came out. And we're talking Jeremy, Jeremy Rutherford later on or coming up here about you know, Tarasenko and his time here with the Blues, it wasn't exactly the end you'd like to see, but still, you just have to respect the fact that he was a leader, a voice in that room, and that's something that we definitely missed this season with the Blues. And we'll have the action for you tonight, 7 o'clock face-off, 6 o'clock pregame with Aunt Alex and Joey here on 101 ESPN. Meanwhile, the Cardinals take the day off there in Milwaukee tomorrow. Flaherty will pitch against Brandon Woodruff. Jack Flaherty's kind of coming out party in Major League Baseball was in 2018, June 22nd at Milwaukee, and he went seven one-hit innings and he struck out 13. He was absolutely brilliant. He's always pitched pretty well at Milwaukee, and hopefully his reappearance as a great pitcher will take place tomorrow night in Milwaukee. We know that with the shutout and the no-hit innings, that there's still an ability there. There's something in Jack Flaherty to allow him to be really, really good. Hopefully he cuts down on the walks and can be... Is he ever going to be what he was in the second half of 2019? No. But hopefully he can be a guy that gives you 180 innings and gives you a lot of opportunities to win games. I think in his start on Saturday, you saw some flashes. I think he just was trying to be too perfect. He pitched, what was it, five innings and, mm-hmm. and no hits, uh, seven walks. But I think that was just a, a product of him trying to be too perfect and not give up any hits or not give up any big hits. Um, so I'm looking forward to see what, seeing what he looks like in his next start and continue, continuing to see what he looks like as the season rolls along. As long as we go through a first or second inning where a pitcher doesn't give up a home run, I think I think that's a yeah. win in my book. So what if we get the first two, walk the next three, <laughs> and then it's kind of dicey for us, but then we get the, the if we, sixth inning. If we get out of the first two innings without giving up a run, we got we're, we're going to get a win because our yeah, offense. You feel better is about that? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 You just got to get out of those first two innings. Yep. And the Masters is underway, a tradition unlike any other. Mike Weir is the leader right now. A group tied at one under Mike Weir, Scott Stallings, Louis Oosthuizen, Kevin Kisner, and Keith Mitchell, all at one under par as they get things rolling in Augusta. And Tiger is going to start here momentarily. I think he's starting at 9 
twenty St. Louis time. Let me double check so that you can check out. Tiger starts at nine uh, eighteen St. Louis time, so we're only eight minutes away from Tiger teeing off in the Masters for two thousand twenty-three. That is your uh, rush hour reset here on one hundred and one ESPN. Today's big thing. Did you have something to add? I, I just hope Tiger's leg. I mean, he's. I just don't want to see him limping. I know he he really that's just how he walks now. Mm-hmm. The the mm-hmm. leg was probably could have been amputated if it was anyone other than Tiger Woods, but he's the best thing for golf. We can talk about Liv, we can talk about Rom and Scotty Scheffler and Rory and all of these guys. Tiger Woods is the person that moves the needle more than the anyone needle. has ever been in the game of golf. Yeah. So I hope he makes the cut and I hope he's got a red shirt on on Sunday. Yes. In contention. I, it is it is really hard to just see not the tiger that you're used to seeing, yeah. but at the same time, to your point, it is amazing that he's still able to be out there competing with everything that he has just, happened to him physically. He's dragging that leg, though. It, it, it does it, look, it, yeah. It doesn't look good. Like, it just looks painful, and he's... the. It, He's got so much of a, 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 a mentality. You, stubborn would be the perfect word for it, I'm sure, because most great athletes are stubborn as hell. And mm-hmm. he's so stubborn that he's just going to go out there and dig, th- dig through it and fight through it no matter what. But I, I just want him to be – I want to see the great Tiger Woods walking healthy and, and not having to you know, just drag that leg around for 18 holes. Did you see that document? Well, I mean, he wasn't exactly a part of it, but it was a whole documentary about Tiger Woods and just everything, like from start to finish, what he's been through mm. and with the way that his parents raised him, oh. all that kind of stuff. And then I, I knew about that he did Navy SEAL training. I didn't realize how intense it was until I watched that documentary. And it's like he is so just competitive Mm -hmm. and the way that he pushes himself it's no wonder that he is such an icon and legend that he is he is remarkable and by the way the hank haney book the big miss tells a lot of that story and it really probably affected tiger's career negatively all right coming up here on 101 espn we're going to talk some blues hockey jeremy rutherford has a good piece about vladimir tarasenko up at the athletic and we're going to talk about that and more with jr next on 101 espn you're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Randy, good to have you with us on 101 ESPN and the Blues in action tonight, taking on Vladimir Tarasenko and the Rangers. Six o'clock faceoff, seven o'clock or six o'clock pregame, seven o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. And we head to the celebrity line, and our buddy Jeremy Rutherford joins us now. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, gang. How are you guys doing? We are excited to have you with us. Uh, let, let's start with this. What do you expect from Vladimir Tarasenko tonight? It's 27 games for him, 7 goals, 10 assists for the Rangers. Yeah, I think this is going to be another emotional night. We've had a few of them here lately with Barbashev coming back, David Perron, but uh, Vladimir Tarasenko obviously holds a a place in a lot of people's hearts here in St. Louis starting his career here. And like you said earlier, Randy, uh, fifth all-time Blues in goal scoring and a lot of highlight real goals. You talked to John Kelly. He called one of the best ones I've ever seen as well. So I expect uh, there'll be a video tribute. I expect there'll be a lot of waving from Vladimir Tarasenko and uh, the crowd of 18,000 at Enterprise will be on their feet. And you need to go to JR's 
Twitter page because you reposted a story that you had put up in February with uh, X Blue sharing their favorite Tarasenko stories. And it's really a cool piece. I remember reading it, but it was great to revisit it. So just follow Jeremy at JP Rutherford on Twitter. Yeah, it was fun doing that piece. You know, when guys leave, uh, you don't have to do the cookie-cutter same piece with every player, just kind of what fits. And I felt like what fit with Tarasenko was to call up six or seven guys that played with them. And so it's got uh, stories from David Backus, uh, Paul Stastny, Kevin Shattenkirk, Jaden Schwartz, and a few others. The funny part was uh, when I got a hold of Backus, I had remembered that he had that fight with Tarasenko at practice one day. And uh, we were all down in the lower bowl during practice, and all of a sudden the fight breaks out. You see it's Backus and Tarasenko, and you just, holy smokes, what's going on here? And then uh, for David Backus, when he started talking a couple weeks ago when I did that story, I was like, please, please tell the fight story. Please tell the fight story. And he did, and, and he came out and talked about that day, and he felt like he just needed to put Vladimir Tarasenko in line. Maybe, maybe he was getting too big for his britches, and, uh, and uh, so they dropped the gloves that day there at practice. And it only lasted a few seconds, don't get me wrong. But he said that after that, Vladimir Tarasenko just got it. He was respectful to everything involved with the team situation, and he really just got it. JR, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit, uh, ask you a question that has not been asked. How was your birthday yesterday? <laughs> it was great, Gary. It was great. You know, I got to say that, uh, and, and you guys know this too, Randy, he's been through it. When you get to hang out with family, it's the best. And so uh, yesterday had a chance to write a story, a mailbag that's up at the athletic, Gary, and then uh, got a family dinner out here uh, by our house. And then I went out to Chesterfield and watched my daughter play a pair of softball games. I will say when I tell you it was a great birthday, I don't know about, 35 degree weather at 9:30 at night watching, <laughs> <laughs> watching softball, but uh, but no, it was fun. Thanks for asking. Happy birthday! Yeah, yeah. happy yeah, birthday. Sure. Well, also, I saw that you were paying attention to some Cardinals drama too. You tweeted out, "I've I would have paid money to see that O'Neill shot go into the seat and him do a dead sprint around the bases." <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, I think your tweet yesterday got more reaction than some of the Cardinals beat writers. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just a situation. First of all, you know, I write from my house. You know, I have a lot of work from home stuff for for all of us, and uh, I I have a little area where I love, love, love when the Cardinals play day games because I can write my stories and watch the game while it's going on at the same time. And obviously, I was following all your guys' coverage on the O'Neill situation, and and so he he rips, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's gone! Like this stuff writes itself as the writer. You just can't. You're like, this is going to write itself, and then it starts to go foul, and you're like, oh, man. I just thought to myself, if he put that over the fence, (laughs) home run, and then just runs like 2.5 seconds around the bases, this is going to be amazing. Hey, JR, it brought to mind yesterday when we were talking to Bernie Federico when Jacques Demers, and you wrote this in uh, when you co-wrote the book with Bernie, about how Jacques Demers sat – Bernie up in the press box, and it wasn't Demers' fault, right? It was somebody else that decided that he needed to sit for a day just to kind of send a message to everybody else. Yeah, I think so. That's uh, Bernie talked about that, and uh, I think he he said that uh, you know you find out at the morning skate that you're going to be a scratch, and like what's going on here? But uh, yeah, message, and that's what the coaches like to do. And you know, just to piggyback on what you guys were talking about earlier with uh, coaches really trying to hold everybody accountable, you see that with uh, Marmol and and Tyler O'Neill. I saw it in 2018-19 with Craig Berube and the team. And, you know, not to tell you anything you guys already don't know from that season, but one conversation I'll never forget. As they start to put that team together, 
and they start to play well down the stretch. I remember talking to Michael, who is Vladimir Tarasenko's agent at the time. He since has switched agents. Uh, but I said, Mike, what's going on? Like, what's going on? And he said, Craig Bruby walked in, dropped the hammer, said he's going to hold everybody accountable. And these are the words of Mike Leute, Tarasenko's agent at the time. He says, including 91, mm. including 91. And I'd never heard really an agent say something like that where he's saying, you know, hey, my guy was held accountable too, and, and that's what this team's going through. So uh, I just think Kerry's right uh, early on talking about uh, what needs to happen in that locker room and what happened in that Blues locker room in 2019. Well, with Vladimir Tarasenko returning to, of course, we've been talking about, you know, all his good times. But, you know, you've covered towards the end. It seemed like the relationship soured a little bit between Tarasenko and the Blues. But what was the feeling that you gathered from both sides once they parted ways and he's moved on to the Rangers? Yeah, so a little bit before that, and that's what's tough as a reporter um, you know what's going on behind the scenes, and you try to write it. But if you write that things are sour, and then that night Tarasenko goes out and scores two goals for the Blues, and he's the number one star of the game, and he does an interview with Darren Pang on the bench, and everybody's chanting, Vladdy, Vladdy, you know, then they're going to tell you that, hey, you're wrong. Whatever you're writing, that's inaccurate. Well, that's what was happening behind the scenes. So, you know, just because it comes out and smiles for the cameras and, and – you know, number one star of the game, it's not always what it looks like behind the scenes. And I just think it got to a point where uh, he definitely, I think, from both sides mutually, uh, needed to move on. But I think once it got to that point, Brooke, where at the time of the trade, everybody understood it. You know, Tarasenko understood it. Uh, Doug Armstrong did. And, and they got a great package for him. And now he's moved on and he's in the Big Apple and they got a chance to do some damage in the playoffs. And meanwhile, the Blues got uh, a couple of nice draft picks and, and some players. JR, is there anything in particular you're looking for from the Blues as they close out this season? Yeah, just piggybacking on what John said, just uh, keep playing this way. I mean, this is phenomenal. A 7-2-2, I get it that uh, not all the opponents have been Stanley Cup playoff caliber, uh, but uh, the Blues, for what they have on the ice in terms of uh, putting this lineup together each night and mixing in some young guys. You'll see another one uh, tonight, the defenseman that the Blues got in the trade for Clint Costin has been recalled. Uh, Kerry, I'll let you say his name. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and Ka- Callie Rosen? <laughs> no, they brought up oh. Dmitry. Uh, no. Oh, Sam Rocco. Sam Ryle. <laughs> no, I think we yeah. were waiting for you to say it, and we were just going to, you know, copy what you said, Jr. Yeah, I haven't had a lot of practice with this one, so <laughs> but he's up. Uh, the guy we got for Costin. There you go. There you go. And then uh, Matt Kessel, who did a great job, is down. But you still continue to see. Look at. Uh, neighbors and what he's doing he's putting guys in the seats with these big hits and uh, i agree with what you guys said that uh, craig Bruby, the staff they've done a good job keeping this thing together down the stretch of course people would have liked it to go 0 and 15 the last 15 but i think that uh, what the blues are doing here isn't all that bad jr as always great work thanks so much for the time we do appreciate it we advise everybody if they don't already have a subscription to the athletic to get that subscription because your work is always magnificent thank you very much Uh, i appreciate it what's the rub off all right see you guys (laughs) (laughs) that's our blues insider from the athletic the one the only jeremy rutherford we do appreciate him and coming up next on 101 espn we talked earlier about the Live Guys, and is this Masters a little different because there's such a fracture between the PGA Tour and Live Golf? That's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
Cheers is underway in Augusta, Georgia, and among the top 11 so far, and it's early on, but Louis Oosthuizen is at one under, Patrick Reed is at one under, Taylor Gooch is at even, and Sergio Garcia is at even. Of the top 11 participants right now in Augusta, four are live golfers. What if just one of them hangs in throughout the course of the weekend? For those of us that follow it, I don't think for a lot of people it'll matter, but for those of us that'll follow it, that do follow it, I think if somebody's in the hunt on Sunday that is from the Live Tour, I think it'll be glorious chaos. Oh, I'm I'm sure. (laughs) I I mean, you know, other than Tiger Woods being in there, you know what would make golf ratings soar is if they just had a fight on the 18th hole. Just Mm -hmm. all-out brawl between one of the live golfers and and a PGA Tour member. That that would be one thing that would make the golf ratings soar. But no, seriously, it's not going to – I don't think it'll be good for for PGA if if those live golfers are in the running come Sunday. If they are, you know, pushing the lead or – you know, within range of closing in on the leaders. I don't know that that PGA Tour would, would be a fan of that at all. I think they're looking for their golfers to, mm-hmm. to excel and exceed all, all numbers this weekend. So ESPN has Cameron Smith as the highest-ranked live player. I also thought this was interesting as well, is that none of the live players are paired with one another, except for the exception of one group. And neither Smith or any of the other live players will be in the featured groups. That is interesting. And I I wonder how much thought went into that. By the way, Kevin, the golfer Kevin from the live tour, uh, was playing and then just decided to say, nah. So... (laughs) Kevin, nah, it has withdrawn from the Masters. I see what you did there. That's, that's a good dad joke. I appreciate that. Uncle thank Randy you. Joe. Thank, thank you, Brooke. And Tiger Woods has teed off, and he'll be the focal point, obviously, of today's activity, and hopefully he'll be able to make the cut. And it's hard to make the cut at the Masters, but hopefully he'll be able to do so. You've got a few guys that are really off to bad starts. Alex Noren is plus five through seven holes. Sandy Lyle is plus three through eight holes. And by the way, some of the other live guys that are uh, on the course, you really Jason Cockrick is at uh, at plus one. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting couple of days. Tiger is even, by the way, through one hole. Did you guys see that the Masters sells food that they sell to your house? Now, they're all sold out for this year, but think about this for next year. You can get a taste of the Masters hosting kit with 24 ounces of egg salad, 24 ounces of pimento cheese, 24 ounces of pork barbecue, uh, six bags of plain potato chips, six bags of barbecue potato chips, a dozen cookies, Masters branded souvenir cups, a sleeve of 25, Masters branded wax paper, a sleeve of 12 sheets, Masters coasters, a pack of 12, hosting kit materials, and it all comes to your house for the small price of $175. $175 bucks isn't bad to throw bad. A, a big Masters party. I would rather, you know what, I'll give the Masters some marketing uh, help. Why not just send what the uh, winner is making for the for the Masters dinner? That would be good too. Just send them a, a replica of exactly what they're eating at the dinner. <laughs> I haven't stopped thinking about that skillet yeah, cookie. Yeah, we were like ever about since. A lot of, well, there's a mac I and cheese on there. There's an Applebee's things. down the road. Oh, Go get your rock. one. And you're gonna yeah. eat that with a spoon. I know. We know. <laughs> But here's the thing, though. Here's why the master's, the master's food to get it at your house is cool. Because 
They never raise prices at Augusta. If you're there today, you can get an egg salad sandwich for a buck and a half, pimento cheese for a buck and a half, pork barbecue for three dollars, uh, Masters Club sandwich for three bucks, uh, chicken salad on honey wheat for three bucks, ham and cheese on rye three bucks, classic chicken three bucks. You can get beverages. You can get a Masters blend fresh brewed coffee for two bucks, a breakfast sandwich for three dollars. Soft drinks are two bucks. It's amazing that they've they've maintained their prices, and as you'll notice over the course of the weekend when you watch on TV, very rarely do they show commercials during mm-hmm. the Masters because the Masters has enough money; they don't need money, so they just want to provide a good old timey experience. For are people. they known for their potato chips? Like, why are mm-hmm. they sending that to your house? Yeah, special Masters potato chips. Yeah, mm-hmm. what's so special about mm-hmm. them? I don't know, but they cost a buck and a half a bag. I don't yeah. know. I don't they're cheaper they're than nice. gas station chips. I mean, the, the prices yeah. are always the coolest. How much does it cost to get into the? Uh, well, the that's masters. a different thing. You have to get a special dispensation. You have to win a lottery. Yes. But the, w- once you win the lottery, it's not extraordinarily expensive. I believe the lottery prices are like 175 bucks or something like that. Oh. But then the problem is that everyone who wins the lottery puts it on the secondary market for two grand. Hmm. Well, not not everybody. One of my friends actually won the lottery to go. How many people? How many people? Put their names into this hundred and seventy-five hundreds of thousands. Lottery. A lot. So therefore, that that might be why they can continue to sell <laughs> chips so, for a dollar. Four hundred and fifty bucks if you win the lottery, and so that's for all four rounds. So that's pretty good. I I would go though. I don't think I would resell it. I feel like if you win the lottery, yeah, you, you have to go, go yep. right? Yeah. Yes and no. Some Depending. people are thinking differently than us, Depending. Brooke. He's <laughs> <laughs> one of them, apparently. On the secondary market, Masters tickets start at about 700 and Sunday will cost you about $1,000. But that's... I mean, that's not... It would have been different if Tiger was playing. It'd be more. Be a bargain. Yeah. A, a grand to be a bargain, right? So I don't think that that's... 450 bucks for a four-day pass. I don't Again, think that's terrible. No, that's, that's I, I not mean, bad I, at all. You, I've no. paid... That for well, two tickets to one basketball game. You uh, you have a former teammate that I believe is a member that can help you out. Do I? Number, <laughs> number 18. Mm-hmm. Mm. Did not know that. So just shoot him a text next year. Ah, yeah, Say, hey, Randy and Brooke and I are looking for... find that number in my phone. Yeah. One of those old yeah. phones. Yeah, Randy one and Brooke and I are looking. One of those old phones. <laughs> yeah. Are you trying to get something taken care of here, P? What do, what do you think? What's going on? <laughs> Is that what you call them? That's what they call them. They call them just P? Yeah. Really? Mm -hmm. All right. I'm kind of surprised by that. Did you have any great nicknames for teammates? Like, everybody called him something that's really memorable, whether it's Uh, off color or not? Not that I can. uh, Did Big Ben have a nickname? Aside from Big Ben? Seven. Oh, okay. Uh Seven. I can't think of any any nicknames where I would be like, uh... Not not off the top of my head. Give me a minute. I will, I will, I will okay. have to think about it. Did, Did Heinz, Heinz Ward have a nickname? Uh, we, we, Wody. We, Wody? Wody. Yes. Okay. Just, a, you know, we would always say Konnichiwa. Okay. Uh-huh. Good. 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 <laughs> Did, I thought you said James Harrison or Jerry, Por- Jerry Porter, one of those guys had a nickname. Uh, James Harrison is Debo. Debo. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joey Porter was Peasy. Is he Debo because of the movie character? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Peasy. great. And Debo was James Harrison because he was the bully. Makes sense. <laughs> Not in the locker room, but to everyone else outside of the locker room. Of all the great nicknames in sports history, Brad Thompson tells a story about a minor league teammate who was nicknamed Coleslaw. He didn't know. He didn't know? He didn't know why his nickname was Coleslaw. 
the reason that he was nicknamed Coleslaw is because nobody likes coleslaw. <laughs> oh. That's mean. That sounds like bullying. It's spectacular. <laughs> no, you, I had a, you, got, you just get nicknames. You, know he, it, you don't have to like your nickname. They had to have slipped up and he heard it at least I'm once. sure they called him that in his face. Yeah. I think I've told he, this story. This isn't like a, this isn't a big sports name, but just locally, mm-hmm. I went to high school with a guy, and his nickname, he's a football player, his nickname was Kankles. I, and I, to this day, I do not know his real name. And That's when it's did. a solid of us nickname. Did. And he, he even got it tattooed on his back. There you go. Well, I wouldn't have Kankles. done that. He, he obviously embraced it, which is great. There you do. I, I had a teammate from here, Mark Cornfield. We called him Bread. Mm-hmm. Cornbread. Cornbread, I yeah. like that. Let's call yeah. him Bread. We didn't we didn't call him anything else. Bread, what's up? Uh-huh. Didn't call him Mark, didn't call him Cornfield, didn't call him Cornbread. We just called him Bread. That's fantastic. My guy. Coming up on 101 <laughs> ESPN, we've got a great version of rock and roll for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Guys, one of the things that I like to do on uh, tomorrow's day every year is the greatest comebacks in the history of sports. So, it's, so we'll do that tomorrow. That'll be one of the segments tomorrow. Why, why would why, we be why, doing why? that? Yeah, wondering. You know, it's just doing it. It's. I, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> that tomorrow is kind of like the derivation, the the genesis of the term between rock and a hard place. Oh my god! <laughs> just tossing that. So when, when the greatest comeback oh, began, you guys just you want to crucify me? You got you people. <laughs> oh my gosh! So we're we're gonna be irreverent tomorrow <laughs> on the program. We also have your chance to win Kiss tickets, a pair of tickets to see Kiss October 25th at Enterprise Center. If you like that band, they're awesome. You can uh, check out their end-of-the-road tour, and it's the very last tour that they're ever going to have. KISS is going to retire. But you can win tickets now by texting in at 314-399-9646. That would be 314-399-YO-HO! If you want to win KISS tickets, all you have to do is answer this question correctly. Earlier, we talked about Tiger Woods setting the all-majors record with a 15-under, or 15 stroke margin of victory at the 2000 U.S. Open. Tiger also owns the largest win ever at the Masters. By how many strokes is the record biggest win at the Masters held by Tiger Woods? How many strokes is the record win at the Masters? That is good one. A good one. And if you are texter number, hold on, I'm going to come up with a great number for you. Uh, let's see. How many PGA titles? 33. Uh, that was yesterday. Was 33 yesterday? Yeah, because yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem. Well, uh, how about 33-year-old? Texture number 82. Texture like number 82 like to 314 uh, That would be the significance of... The, the significance of that is how many official PGA Tour events has Tiger Woods won? He's won 82. But how many did he win that Masters by? Texture number 82 gets the prize of the, the KISS tickets. All right, it's time for Rock and Roll. Matthew, what do we got? Well, uh, a piece of audio that we never got to play was about a week ago when Mike Tannenbaum, former GM of the uh, Jets and Jets Dolphins, Dolphins um, former and, being the operative yes, word, and he Most talked definitely, yeah, and he talked about Hendon Hooker <laughs> being a first round option for for teams this, this in this draft, which I thought was crazy enough, but we didn't get to talk about it. Well, then. 
people started doubling down, and, and the Hendon Hooker comment came back up as an option for the Jets. In fact, the Jets are going to sit with Hendon Hooker. He's going to be the one quarterback they talk to. Well, Mike Greenberg, avid Jets fan who's very happy about the potential of Aaron Rodgers, caught a whiff of this story, and uh, well, here is his reaction. Sure, you're going to have Aaron Rodgers, and you're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. What could go wrong? <laughs> oh, yeah, everything. This is the worst idea I've ever heard of my He's life. Not Are you out mind. of your mind? <laughs> I, I, I want this man expelled, not only from this conversation, but from all football conversations that are ever to come. Aaron Rodgers is going to lose his mind if the Jets draft Hendon Hooker, and you are in for this. You've made your bed. Sleep in it. And I, I agree with Greeny on this 100%. one. 100%. Yeah. Yes. You're going to make all these moves. You're going to move mountain, heaven, and earth to just get Aaron Rodgers. The one thing you're going to do to augment that move is say, hey, here's your replacement. This has never bothered you before. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mike Tannenbaum should never have been the GM of the Jets and should never be the GM of the Jets again. You know, it's, it's always interesting to see how when people have certain jobs, you know, how well or how poorly they perform mm-hmm. in those jobs and, and and the things that led up to them getting that particular job. I, I'm always intrigued by that because there are some people, I've said this plenty of times, there are some coaches, both collegiately and in the NFL, who know nothing. And I'm sure there are people in the front offices who have no clue. I liked what Hendon Hooker did this year at Tennessee. He would have been a Heisman winner oh, had yeah. he not gotten yep. hurt. Yes. He had he never done anything before this year. Huge. He's 25 years old yes. coming off of an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. So he's probably not going to play in his rookie year. And he wasn't that. He, he was really good this year. Mm-hmm. He's never done anything before this year. I, Why you would think the Jets should take Hendon Hooker when you already wasted a pick on Zach Wilson. Just keep Zach Wilson as your backup. There you go. I don't think that first round draft pick is, is in Hendon Hooker's Hooker's uh, future. He's second, third round pick. Had he not gotten hurt, had he been able to play the entire season and won the Heisman and led that team to what was headed towards a national championship, a Final Four appearance uh, before he got injured, I think you're looking at somebody that, that could have been top on those draft boards. But being injured, as you said, not sure if he's going to be ready by the time training camp starts or how well, how, how, how well he be, he'll be able to go once the season begins. That's not a guy you draft in the first round, especially when you're the Jets, who are still building a young group of guys, and you just drafted a first-round quarterback a few years ago. Now, if he's really good, he could make a lot of money. I've heard that high-end hookers in New York would make a lot oh of money. Oh, my gosh. How did I know? I could tell. I just heard. I've, I I've, could tell I, that I, you were amping up. I, you were amping up for something. I'm not positive about this. I just heard Thanks for the dad, Joe character. <laughs> I just knew. I could see the look on your face. You were just waiting for for Carrie to finish his sentence so that you could launch that. I had no clue. I had no clue where he was going. They do make. I've heard that as well. They do make a, a pretty penny. Yeah. I, I will say, Hooker for Tennessee. I'm going to segue back back to the okay. back to sports. Okay, Hooker for Tennessee in. was huge. It, it was very for I feel like Tennessee fans. It felt like 1998 T. Martin. It felt like that all over again. Yeah. And you hated to see the way that it ended for him because he he was on his way yeah. to win the Heisman. I thought this was interesting too. He's a, a reportedly also going to go visit with the Bucks. Hmm. Interesting because they have Kyle Trask and they signed Baker, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield. So, uh, uh, I, I, do they bring back, by the way, Blaine Gabbard? Is he still under contract? I think he's there retiring. Too? Yeah, I thought he was okay. retiring. Yeah, I think he's okay. retiring. He just saved Pretty some kids career. a couple yeah, of uh, yeah, months ago. Yeah, like a, yeah, 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 a couple months ago, they, mm-hmm. they were uh, 
fell boat. off a jet ski on a boat in, in the water. Something. Um, I, I needed to get this out too because this this came across uh, Twitter when I was watching the Lakers uh, lose yesterday to the. Uh, Clippers, which was the 11th time in a row the Clippers have beat the Lakers. Congratulations to the Clippers. Mm-hmm. It was just so much fun to watch that happen, Kerry. Um, but this came up because Michael Thompson, the father of Clay and Trace, does the broadcast for the radio broadcast for the Los Angeles Lakers. He came back from a break, and he said that he orders his In-N-Out burgers protein style, which means no bun, because, quote-unquote, he has buns at home. He then puts the <laughs> burger in the fridge and heats it up later when he gets hungry. This is the most insane thing I've ever heard, but coming from a Thompson, which is the weirdest, one of the weirdest sports families, well, I'm not actually that surprised, but this is insanity. You can't no, be doing this stuff. No, it sounds like a man that understands that, you know, you, you saved the burger, the bun just... He it, played it for the Lakers. And what difference does it make? Rock, you gotta... You, you, how do you keep money you hold on to your money? You manage your you money properly. Don't go skimpy you, in and out. Hey, if you don't want the In-N-Out burger in that moment... And you want an In and Out burger later? You're not paying for the In and Out bun. You're paying for the In and Out burger. Thank you. So you buy the burger, you save it, and you put it in the freezer. And when you're ready, hopefully he puts it in the oven and not in the microwave. <laughs> get it a, a little. It's a, it's a little good different. Point. Warm it up in that manner. But yeah, you you get that burger and you save it for a later time. Are these like special buns that are healthier that he has at home or Brooke. what? Thank you for asking that because it was glossed over by the broadcast team and <laughs> I they, asked they, the they, they never questions. addressed. Okay, fine, Michael. You do this insanity in the first place. But you say you have buns at home. Are they the same buns as In and Out? Are they a different bun? What about In and Out's buns don't you like? Because there, could, there could be healthy buns at home. Who when knows? When you buy a burger, are you buying the burger for the bun or for the burger? Chick-fil-A hey, listen, buns are good, though. They are, There's but you're not, buying the, you're not buying a Chick-fil-A but sandwich it, for the adds, bun. Carrie, it adds to the, the experience. The pickle more so than the bun, Carrie, I, would, I would think. In the Big Mac song, do they mention what kind of bun it goes on? The pickle hold no, the big day. Do all be patty spritz also the cheese, pickles, onions, sesame seed bun. <laughs> it's right there in the song, Carrie. It's an important part of the sandwich. If you didn't have a sesame uh, seed bun, the special sauce on the Big Mac is what you're going for. Am I correct? Am friend, I wrong here? Have have they opened the high point out by you yet? Uh the, the high point burger place? I don't think so. I believe high, they're I, I think they're they doing are, one yeah. in O'Fallon Mo. Really? Oh, that where is it at? I'm not sure. I had to look it up. Uh, is, it, is it is it spectacular? The, the bun, you do get the burger for the bun when okay. you go to High Point. Well, it's life changing. Maybe one of these days when I'm yeah. not eating air. Um, it appears <laughs> that it is open. Good. Just wait till eleven a.m. Yeah, wait till eleven a.m. We're going to go six thirty West Highway fifty. Oh, I don't know where that is. Okay, we'll find but it. Shout out yeah, to, highway, totally. to, to High Point. High Point. You know, Fallon. Got some advertising <laughs> yep. here. I hey. thought you were about to say shout I'll out to we'll Highway 60. We'll get our buddy Mike Johnson. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> Mike Johnson is like the guru of burgers from High, from high Point. We'll get him on, on the Friday before Memorial Day, and we'll oh. talk burgers Can you bring a with burger Michael. In? Yes. My, Michael would be... Happy to Sans help bun. us out. Michael, you have uh, the, the request has been, have been has been made by Carrie. Davis. I like their sweet potato tots too. Oh, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. We're, awesome. We're, we're <laughs> I'm sweet, sweet potatoes are really I good for you, CD. Starving. Sweet potatoes are really good for you. Job uh, great job today by our producer engineer Matthew Rocchio. Thank you. I'm sorry, Carrie. Yeah. Pleasure. Brooke, this was fun. Were you educated a little bit? Uh, we, on what? <laughs> on, on what? Better, better than I was <laughs> when I was in school. I mean, we went over. I mean, a lot of different things today. So that could that could mean a lot. Yeah, could. A lot. Yeah, I've, I've learned many many things. The economics of New York. Yes, <laughs> burger buns, importance, you know, all that all kind of stuff. Players yeah. and hooker. Yeah, CD. Mm-hmm.
Okay, I'll tell the story. (laughs) Player's name Booker. Uh, First Monday night football game ever in history, 1970. Jets and Browns. Browns have a receiver named Fair Hooker. Don Meredith doing the game. (laughs) The name is mentioned by Keith Jackson. Catch by Fair Hooker. Don Meredith says, no such thing. (laughs) For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.